0: Welcome
1: to the return of WWF, the Legacy Series. This will be Saturday night's main event, March 14th, 1987. We are recording in the morning again. It's been a long time since we did that. And I was going to write an intro, but I just rolled out of bed. So that didn't happen. So I am going to write my intro by speaking it right now. And... Since we decided to come back to WWF, the Legacy Series, there has been something on my mind. Strangely enough, a song from my church days so long ago in that little Pentecostal church they would sing. Just a few more weary days and then I'll fly away to a land where joy shall never end. And That song in its most literal translation is, of course, talking about when the trials of life are over and I've died, I will go to that place that I have been seeking. But when I look back on it as an adult and I think about the people, it is also just as much, if not more, an opportunity or a wish or a seek to fly away in that moment, to be transported emotionally (laughs) spiritually to somewhere other than where you are because the problems of life keep on coming because the questions have to be answered because the difficulties because sometimes everything that you thought life was going to be doesn't look like it might be that at all so can i sing my way can i worship my way can i find any way to be transported To a place bigger and better and different while my feet are still on this earth. Today, we are going to talk about a place that transports us. As a WCW NWA guy, for me, I never saw WCW as that much different than the world. Getting beyond the wrestling, what the people look like. Yeah, they were amped up a little bit, but you can meet a Ric Flair in the world somewhere you can meet a dusty roads in the world somewhere so what WCW did, it didn't really transport me as much as it drew me closer but WWF, yeah they have a barbershop but I challenge you to find a barbershop that looks like that in the world yeah they have a funeral parlor but these people are from another place you would think in 1987 they all have backstories That they came from different planets or they are of something that we do not know. And the colors and the lights and the music and the sports entertainment, it has the ability to transport us. And folks, what we need right now, I'm sure from time to time, is to be transported. So that is what we are going to try to do Meanwhile, I am also on my own journey. I have been for about a year or more. I'm not going to get into it right now, but I am trying to figure out some things in my life. And, you know, if I'm going through it, I am a life writer and you're going to hear about it. So that's a little side uh, quest for you to think about, because as of today on this show, for the purposes of this show, I am not the mystic phd i renounce that worldly title it gave me the intellect of the world to divide and dissect but i am looking for something spiritual i am looking for a transportation and my degree cannot get me that so right now i am stripped of my title i am the mystic pre-rank ultimate newbie on this journey And I am looking for something different. And we are going to find things of 20 years ago, 30 years ago, like we did with WCW, the Legacy Series. If you followed us then, you can bank on that. We're going to build frames. We're going to use words in new ways. We're going to seek something that we don't yet know. And we're going to try to deliver it to you the best we can. I am joined by the very best person in this world that I could be joined by. He is a co-host. He is a learned colleague. You know who he is, ladies and gentlemen. He is Ms. Fan. The brain.
2: Greetings, Ms. Fan fans. Ah, we are back with WWF The Legacy Series by popular demand. It's been a long time coming. We are going to try to transport you to a time that couldn't be more different. Then the time that we are in where it transports you to the 1980s, an era of Americana and walking tall and taking what you want if you're the good guy and getting your ass kicked if you're the bad guy. And never will you confuse one and the other basically very different than everything you might see today. And uh, in some ways that's good, and in some ways that's bad. We're going to find that out. We're going to call it out. We are Going to build and unearth, and we're going to do all those great things that we hope that you want to see from the Legacy series because it is back in its fullest form, and I couldn't be happier.
1: Everything that we speculated about, about babyface privilege, about this, that, and the other, that we were kind of picking at in the dark in WCW is just flat out in the open in this uh, promotion.
2: Oh yeah, this is the, the birthplace, this is where it is the law of the land that is established, right here, with with our man Hulk Hogan. Not my man yeah. or your man, but he is, he is the man.
1: Hulk Hogan's first promo, when we get into that, and then Vince McMahon. Jesse Ventura, who, the heel, will spend the whole night trying to uh, explain fairness to Vince McMahon, <laughs> who will just be willing awful things to happen to people who aren't even considered bad guys. It is, it is is mind-blowing, and it takes me back. Back when I was a kid, this was a different world than we live in. I saw these things at six, seven, eight years old. Like My response was, like, I believe Bobby Heenan, and I think these other people are horrible. <laughs> and it's not only that everybody that I ever knew disagreed with me. It's like they couldn't even, like, compute what I was saying back then. So it really was this world where you don't have to justify anything as long as like, morality is tied to the being, not to some kind of code. So if you're against the being, you're against the code, and then anything goes uh, to, um, <laughs> to do away with you because you're against what is good, which is the being and not a code.
2: Indeed. It's a wild,
1: wild west, friend.
2: <laughs> it really is. It's a funny time. It's a time where if a he heel did something to Hulk Hogan, he probably could have slammed that heel's grandmother and, uh, been cheered yeah. for it. But I will say it's also probably a time where Hulk Hogan wouldn't have done that because we're going to see a Hulk Hogan, uh, who is, in my opinion, uh, very self righteous, very self centered, very, um, oblivious to those around him which we will see played out again and again yet there's something to this Hulk Hogan that we were just starting to tap into the first time we started this series Hogan in the 80s is something different he's a different beast than Hogan of the early 90s who was just very insufferable Um, maybe we'll be able to suffer Hogan in this era I'm not sure we'll find out (laughs)
1: It is something different, and we'll have to work our way to it. Two of the things that come out for me in watching is, number one, it is kind of that idea of being transported. There there is a force with Hulk Hogan that he plays that in the 90s, like he's remembering that he used to have a force, but he doesn't know that it's not with him anymore. Mm -hmm. Like, it really is with him. He speaks like he's from somewhere else. He speaks like he actually has some kind of power or force that is beyond him, and he's wielding it whether he wants to or not. And also the other thing we forget, and he slims down, like, like, Pete Hulk Hogan was not like Lex Luger or Ultimate Warrior Cut. He was like this almost 300-pound dude that was half muscle man and half one of the big guys. Mm-hmm. So he's just a force that is different than anything that you will see from around the early 90s onward, and we are dealing with a very specific Hulk Hogan in this moment.
2: I don't think there is a force exactly like this Hulk Hogan at any point in time. Not to this level. Uh, There's something very special about it. Uh, In the the forums, lopforums.com, which I hope you will visit and check out some great conversation. Um, Maza, who just returned, was having a conversation with the doc, and uh, the doc was talking about, Well, I can prove logically with my formula that John Cena is greater than Hulk Hogan. And I'm like... I'm sitting there as like, I'm sure you've got some logic and I don't want to like start a fight about it, but did John Cena revolutionize all of wrestling? Did he change the literal face of the thing we sit around talking about all day? No way. And Hulk Hogan, man, I don't know. It, it depends on all your criteria, I guess, but Hulk Hogan is like a friggin' meteor crashing into the planet of wrestling. Like nothing is the same before and after Hulk Hogan.
1: I, I have two immediate responses to that, and I, I love Doc, but I my two responses. Number one, I'll put it in the terms of Mayberry. At best, uh, Hulk Hogan is Andy, and John Cena is Opie. And, <laughs> you know, Opie doesn't even ever grow up on the show, so I don't know how you even compare him to Andy. And then number two, logically, might be also the problem, because I just renounced my Ph.D. to do this show. Mm. This is not logical. This is... Uh, forces. This is when Hulk Hogan body slams Andre the Giant. At the same time, Vince McMahon is body slamming every idea of professional wrestling that ever existed and asserting himself as the dominant king that will never fall again. They are breaking through to worlds that they never belonged back when you could not break through. John, how can you live in a world that someone else created and still never surpass them and still be better than them? Mm. Like I don't I don't I don't understand. I would have to see his criteria. I don't think I would be convinced. The only thing you could convince me is that Austin had a hotter run than Hogan, but not as much longevity. But aside from that, who's touching this Hulk Hogan? Like it or not, like I'm not a Hulk Hogan fan, but my God, uh, give me a break. (laughs)
2: <laughs> right? There's something undeniable when you're really faced with it here. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm sure it's the criteria. And uh, I love the doc as well, for sure. And uh, I think it's hard when using formulas to account for something we used to talk about a lot, and that is felt sense. And I yeah. think uh, it's hard to discount. That felt sense when you're watching Hogan at his peak. There's something that defies anything that you could really put into uh, numbers with with this Hulk Hogan.
1: Okay, so one thing I always said is John Cena never had the opponents in the air, and you know, like some of that might be true, but at the same time, I love Andre the Giant. Mm. But as far as like historical relevancy, as far as the level we're talking about with WWF the Legacy series. Take away Hulk Hogan, you don't have that. Randy Savage, I love Randy Savage. This whole run till 1992 for me is Savage. I can't wait to get to Savage. Mm. But take away Hulk Hogan? And you don't have this about Randy Savage. Like, Hulk Hogan is the piece that lifts all of this. And this is why, like, WWF would have such a superiority complex. Like, everybody (laughs) that came out of WWF, the guy who was the enhancement talent Thought he was better than Ric Flair because he was on Hulk Hogan's show.
0: <laughs>
2: Paul Roma, yep, shout out. Yeah.
1: that's that. That is the world. And okay, I, I'll wait. I'll wait and see what what he has to say. And I prefer John Cena to Hulk Hogan. Like I, sure, sure, there's something I like about John Cena. But my God, I mean, I guess his his uh outfit has more material. It's longer. Does that make him better? I don't know. That might be a criteria. Um. He has more hair on the top of his head than Hogan. That's more. Other than that, I'm stumped. I think if Hulk Hogan came back right now, it, um, <laughs> and I don't want that. I do not want that. And this is a watered down Hulk Hogan. Of a watered down Hulk Hogan. Of a watered down Hulk Hogan. He might. He might. He might. Still, look what Hogan did with The Rock. Like. The fans probably would turn on John Cena for like 90-year-old Hulk Hogan. I don't know where you're (laughs) going to get that criteria, but it sure as hell is not uh, putting John Cena in the 80s with this Hulk Hogan that we're dealing with right now because John Cena would be eight for lunch. Just remember, back in the Mayberry days, the father would spank the son, (laughs) and it was legal, and it was okay, and people – so John Cena doesn't want to stroll through the 80s and meet this Hulk Hogan.
2: <laughs> I, I would have to agree with all of that. I don't think I can add anything to that image. So,
1: uh, oh man, <laughs> all right. so that's fun. I'm glad though. I'm glad you yeah, go to LOP forums because the, the, those are the great conversations. Like I, I, got lost from the show for a minute just because of what Doc suggested. So that is, that is fun. Uh, Miss Fan tell me. Miss Van, tell me. Miss Van, tell me. As we drop in a, a show before WrestleMania 3, like what are you excited about? What are you thinking about? Like where's your journey with this beginning?
2: Well, oh, first of all, I am very excited just to get to WrestleMania 3. Um, the last show we did before we stopped this series was uh, an exploration of kind of it wasn't even about one show. It was about the big feuds going into WrestleMania 3. And looking at all the nuts and bolts of how those came about. And that was an incredibly good show. I hope maybe I'll, I, I, maybe should try to dig it out and I'll post it again for people who want to mm. catch up with that. Um, but we're talking about not just Hulk Hogan and Andre. Oh, can Hulk Hogan slam Andre? That, that barely even comes into the conversation when you're actually watching the build because it is so personal. It is about Hulk Hogan running into Andre the Giant's uh, trophy ceremony when he's supposed to be honored and taking the spotlight. It's about Andre showing up with Bobby Keenan at his side and Hulk Hogan giving, by God, the best performance I think he ever gave and just coming off as heartbroken, as devastated that this is happening. I, I get chills even just thinking, about it. you can't be with him, he says, and he's so hurt and mm. vulnerable in a way that you would not think of hulk hogan in a way that hulk hogan would never portray himself in later years it's about the depth of that it's about the cross getting ripped off his chest and leaving a bloody streak and that's just the main event because you've got savage and steamboat and the crushed larynx and you've got piper and and Adrian Adonis, who I am happy to talk about again and to praise for a brief moment before he goes away. And it's about the, the flower shop being destroyed, and it's about Piper hobbling around with a weapon looking to take his anger out. Uh, there's so much going into WrestleMania 3, and there's a reason... You can quibble about what the actual attendance was, but there's a reason that this was a record-setting show for a long time, because it is built up spectacularly. The talent on it is unbelievable. It is the peak of everyone who streamed into the WWF from every territory where they were already fully grown, where they were already the best wrestlers, the best performers, the best entertainers in the world, coming to one place. I'm very excited. That we are starting back here. I think it's a great place to jump into.
1: Man, that's a beautiful picture painted. Uh, This is is the world where Roddy Piper is leaving after WrestleMania. Jesse Ventura will leave. Hulk Hogan will leave because what is happening is so powerful right now that an industry that more or less, you know, locked you into what you are. Now everybody thinks that, hey, I might be, you know, a top movie star or I might be a politician or I might be this, that or the other. (laughs) Off of what is being built right now. That Hogan angle is so powerful. They went back and reconstructed history very well to make it that Andre the Giant was the mentor of Hulk Hogan. He saw that this giant would stoop down in the presence of children in tr- a certain way. And that became the standard. That became the reason that Hulk Hogan wanted to be Hulk Hogan. And in the world of Hulk Hogan, there are lines that you don't cross. And, yes, they are all surrounding Hulk Hogan, but never mind that for a second. There are lines you don't cross. And if there is one line you do not cross, you do not join up with the personification of evil. That damned weasel, Bobby the Brain Heenan, and Andre the Giant, we watched him do it. He didn't do it in one moment. It wasn't. Uh, This is a new week. Uh, We're turning the corner on a pay-per-view. So random person turns heel. We watched it slowly happen. This is powerful stuff. The Roddy Piper, Adrian Adonis stuff is rich. Adrian Adonis is a star. Roddy Piper has urgency in every word that comes out of his mouth. And for many in the world, I still need to be convinced. But for many in the world, Randy Savage and Ricky Steamboat was a life-changing matchup. So we are on the doorstep of it. And now we're going to get into it. Unless you have something else you want to add, Ms.
2: I think you covered it uh, very well there. Uh, We're going to get right into the show. Saturday night's main event, as you said, March 14th, 1987. Almost a full year before I was born. Here we are. We're going to go right back to it.
1: Man. And we start off with these promos and you, you're watching one person cut a promo, then you go to another. Mm-hmm. And I mentioned the thing I like. I like how they the person who talks next knows what the last person says. Like, Jimmy Hart responds <laughs> to Miss Elizabeth. And it's something weird, but like... All these strange creatures who are not in programs together, it's like they all exist in a little town, so they, they at least hear the gossip that is going on. And so the next promo sometimes comments on the last promo before going into their own thing, and I miss that. As a kid, when we get to the Royal Rumbles, we're going to watch like all uh, like 20 people, it seems like, it's, uh, do that kind of stuff style promo and that used to be my favorite thing in the world as a kid and i had forgotten about it
2: oh absolutely i love these quick fire promos i love the fact that yeah like you say uh everybody is kind of in this same world and they're all aware of it they're all going to talk about it and uh, it's great it gives you this weird great sense of interconnectedness which i love in a wrestling promotion i think it's great
1: yeah we kick off with the yellow uh headband tied around, falling in front of the face, very 80s, uh, tassel-looking Hulk Hogan, who is saying things that if you just listen, man, it feels powerful. So sometimes I'm going to honor the power of Hulkamania, and sometimes I'm going to talk about the fact that there is no logic. It's all babyface rage based on rules that make no sense. Hulk Hogan is so mad because his friend betrayed him. But now he's entering a battle royal, and he says, I have no friends. And then he says, when you tore my shirt... You broke the rules. Now there are no rules. So it's always this thing where Hulk Hogan has all these rules for everybody else. But once you cross him, there are no rules. So beware of a baby face burned in this era because somebody is going to pay the price for it. Ask the referee of the Jake Roberts Bundy match, but we'll get there later.
2: (laughs) Oh, yeah. Um, Hogan... Proclaiming he has no friends, maybe this is a clue, Hulk Hogan, why your friends always betray you, because mm. you will deny them uh, at the slightest reason. And then, yeah, like you said, um, the Hulk Hogan rules that uh, we never talk, well, I, I the, the rules that we know of are uh, take your vitamins, say your prayers, all those. He didn't break those rules, he broke some other rules, Hulk Hogan... He may have a lot of rules, and he is pretty much just laying out the babyface privilege we always talked about. Break a rule, and all bets are off forever. You can be punished infinitely uh, if you break one of these rules, and and there's full justification for the babyface.
1: He's a master um, rhetorician, too, because the worst that he's starting to misbehave then he always puts it on, you hurt the kids, you hurt the Hulkamaniacs. So, like, he's not doing it for himself. But, like, you did this to the kids, now I've got to do this to you.
2: Oh. When we depart from the 80s, um, this this is where there's a fine line of where Hulk Hogan became this force that I couldn't help but be impressed by to when he moves apart, across that line to start to be insufferable again. And a lot of it is based around how much... He uses the children as an excuse Mm. to do anything. I remember (laughs) in the Sergeant Slaughter feud is where it comes out the most. He would do these mental promos about like, oh, I would imagine the children being gassed in a war or uh, something. And just like, like literally he would say this stuff. And these insane imaginings would justify anything that he would do. And it was just it was just too much. But here here he's hitting the right balance. I
1: Yeah. And we'll talk about this, too, in the Battle royal because there's a nice juxtaposition between 1987 and 1992 mm. uh, to get into. So it is definitely the world will change in such drastic ways in the early 90s. And WWF will not escape it. Hulk Hogan will not escape it. But right now, man, he is standing firm in his Hulkamania. And Bobby Heenan comes right back at him in the second promo, says you might have your eyes on the giant, but that's the only thing you're gonna have on the giant. The giant is gonna have his eyes and his hands on you. <laughs> uh,
2: I, I will say forever that Hulk Hogan versus Bobby Heenan is the rivalry of the '80s. It is the defining one mm. that uh, will always stand out to me.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's so good, and you'll you'll see it in this show because Heenan has more than Andre the Giant in that battle royal, and Hulk Hogan's gonna find out about that. <laughs> Meanwhile, Miss Elizabeth says. Tonight is the first time I've ever been the prize in a wrestling match. I love that she has the awareness to say the first time because God knows in the 80s it's probably not going to be the last. Oh, no. And then she says, you know, the winner gets to keep me between George the Animal Steel and uh, Macho Man Randy Savage. And this is going to be another interesting one where Jesse Ventura is going to try to explain to Vince McMahon that just because uh, the animal has some kind of um, infatuation, he does not get to have Elizabeth. But Vince McMahon will not be able to understand that because he says, no, despite her protest, deep down, she loves this man. (laughs) I don't think she does, but.
2: Uh, Vince. On commentary, especially with Ventura, but I, I have a very big soft spot for Vince on commentary because it can be silly and strange and exciting, and I don't know. There's something about that style of commentary that just like boundless enthusiasm that I enjoy.
1: It's like the simplicity of a pervert <laughs> in my
2: <laughs> <mind>. <laughs> yes, it is. It is exactly
1: <laughs> you know because you get what he wants this world to be because. Like, you hear how he presents it, and it is both a simplicity in his presentation and what things seemingly are, and underneath that is nothing but dirty water. They're just dirty currents of none of this shit makes sense. <laughs> but, like, no, don't look at, don't look underneath. Look, look at the surface. Look at the world I give you. And so if you want to know what WWF is supposed to look like, I don't think anyone, like, commentates it better than the man who uh, envisioned it. <laughs>
2: He has a unique style, absolutely. Um, Elizabeth, yeah, uh, just kind of flat out admitting, hey, I'm I'm a prop, you know, I could be like a prize, I could be like a title belt, and people could wear me around their waist uh, if they wanted to. Um, damn, Liz, have have some self respect. You don't have to be owned by by a, a, a guy who's using you as a human shield or as a guy who probably would take you home and just lick your head. So <laughs> you could do better than than one of these two, if you really want to. And
1: that's an interesting place because we don't know what her motivation is. And we, because we get this, we'll get the to this, but they're not, I guess, openly in a relationship Savage and Liz at this time. So Gene Erklin is going to mention the fact that there might be something and he's mm. going to get his head bit off. But, <laughs> Uh, it's very interesting because you never do quite find out. I, just reading body language, I felt like, to me, she just didn't want to be with George, George the Animal still, and she wanted to be with the person that she was with. But I might be wrong. Maybe I, uh, you know, she gave <laughs> she gave me no indication that she wanted to be. with She runs from him in the match. But anyway.
2: Well, uh, as you mentioned, Vince McMahon uh, shows very well that this is an era where. What you think you want and what we tell you you want are yep. not necessarily going to be the same thing. So.
1: And yeah, he's made a world of it. So.
2: Oh man. Um, <laughs> is there any character more passive in wrestling history than Miss Elizabeth? I, I don't know if there's a time she ever kind of comes out for herself ever.
1: Yeah. Well, I have to think about that. Mm. Um, it's so strange because. I was thinking like, oh my God, she was in WCW. <laughs> sure, yes. yeah.
2: I'm watching right now some some Nitros. I'm in 1998, and she's doing for the first time like a little bit of stuff in matches. Like she'll grab somebody's foot or something, and the commentators are like, "Wow, I've never seen Liz do so much." And I'm like, "Damn, that's like the bare minimum of what you would <laughs> think a manager would do." And it's just, uh, yeah, no, she never really comes out and does much of anything for herself.
1: Yeah, well, will, we will have to keep an eye out because Savage and Liz, in some ways, I think it's, you're talking about longevity of the next four or five years. The only people you can talk about consistently on the level of Hulk Hogan or close to it as far as inside of the WWF is the Savage-Liz relationship. So Absolutely. You know, they're going to be doing something. Um I didn't realize or I had forgotten. I guess I had forgotten that the Hart Foundation was like a fucking Alice in Wonderland, like laughing, weird, mad hatter type kind of thing. <laughs> and seeing Bret Hart like in that is an interesting uh, interesting thing to behold.
2: Yeah, the Hart Foundation, um, as someone who didn't watch this area, who came back and watched a lot of stuff later, um, they're different than I expected. One thing I definitely want to examine, and there's a narrative, Hart Foundation Best tag team of all time, or right up there in that tier. And I got to be honest, I did not get that feeling when I was watching. Um, but I want to examine, maybe there's something that I missed, there's something that I can uh, learn about that team that will convince me.
1: Okay. Because I have never seen anything close to it. I don't know if they would be top 20. I um, or to think about tag teams in history, top 10 at least. Uh, I feel like... Wwf fans can get away with so much, <laughs> and I'm willing to be wrong about Steamboat and Savage, but like to me, what it, what it does for WWF is groundbreaking. I don't know if it does that for the wrestling world as a whole. Mm. And it's the same thing with the Heart Foundation. It's like if I would start saying that there was no better sports entertainment than WCW. There was no more colorful wrestling than WCW. Like people will be like, Sh- shut the fuck up. You don't even have you ever watched WWF? <laughs> and when people say these things about some of these matches, I'm like, that you have you ever watched anything other than WWF? Because, yeah, in WWF right now, like they might be the first team to ever did double teaming for all I know. Because WWF is like a prehistoric uh, <laughs> beast in the wrestling um, aspect. But my God, the Hart Foundation is not in any way. I'm I i do not have to watch to say that they're not the best tag team of all time. And they're like, Lord have mercy. I don't start lining up teams, with I, I guess here's how I'll say it. And this is why I have no friends in the forums. Okay, so
2: <laughs> I'm your friend. It's
1: <laughs> okay, so John Cena has a better chance of being Hulk Hogan, being bigger than Hulk Hogan than the Hart Foundation has of being uh, the best tag team of all time.
2: All right, well maybe that's just something we'll have to reconfirm because I definitely feel the same. I I wouldn't rank them, I wouldn't rank them top anything to be honest. I was kind of let down by a lot of their matches, um, and it's not a Bret Hart thing because I think when I got to the singles Bret Hart stuff, it was every bit as good as I hoped it would be. But yes. I don't know if it's just a Bret Hart is an experience thing, or maybe I'm just not that big into Jim Nighthart, or maybe. I don't know. I don't know. I feel like there are a lot of tag teams that I would much, much rather watch from this era alone, let alone everything else, than the Hart Foundation. So, I don't know. We're going to have to examine that as we go.
1: Arn Anderson probably has three to five teams that are better than the Hart Foundation <laughs> by himself.
2: You are not wrong, sir. You are absolutely so, correct, actually.
1: Number one, Bret Hart is not. Bret Hart's not even the intercontinental Bret Hart, in my opinion, at this time.
2: Oh, no, no. So... I think yeah, and also, reason, part of the reason the Hart Foundation in the promos, you say, it's a lot of like laughing and weirdness, and it's pretty much all uh, Jimmy Hart like squealing, and then Jim Knight just laughing like a lunatic, and then Bret Hart is kind of along for the ride. So, and they're not a bad team. I
1: won't make no, that no, clear. no, 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 no,
2: not at all.
1: Like to be sure, they're top, they're top thirty, <laughs> top fifty. To be sure, <laughs> top, they are. Top
2: fifty, sure. In top fifty. Somewhere. Yeah.
1: To be, to be sure that they they won tag team titles. I'll put it that way. There
2: you go. There Former
1: you tag go. champions. that matter. around
2: for a long time.
1: Nineheart does a nice catapult into the ring. I was impressed with that. Yeah,
2: he's, he's all a right. Thing.
1: You know, they did tag wrestling. Like I said, they put a man in the corner. You know, that's revolutionary probably for WWF. <laughs> so, my God. Give me a break. Oh, my God. Like, here's the thing that bothers me so much. And this is, I didn't, I don't know how much this will be a conversation, but... WCW gets mocked for everything. WWF gets mocked for nothing. It's like you can make these ridiculous statements that have no bearing in reality, and people be like, oh, sure, sure. And like one thing WCW was always mocked for, like every pay-per-view, like this is the biggest pay-per-view of all time. This is the greatest pay-per-view. Like WWF doesn't hype everything that it does. mm like, I have heard so much hype in this one show. It's like every single thing is like, oh, my God. It's, just listen to Vince McMahon commentate. But when they hype it, you know, oh, that's WWF. They're hyping. They're sports entertainment. Oh, they hype. Okay. WCW, like, mock them. And so there's going to be a lot. I thought we were done with, like, the like bullshit WCW narratives. But I may see some. Sometimes maybe you don't have to look at WCW but look away from it to see how WCW was treated differently.
2: Oh, yeah. i. Uh... I was interested when we were talking about bringing the show back. One question is like, are there the right narratives to examine? And man, there are so many weird WWF narratives that I think we're gonna have plenty to talk about as the years go by. And as for the hard sell, uh, I'll tell you, I watched a lot of primetime wrestling on the WWE Network, and man, Gorilla Monsoon, I love the guy, but he he does everything but break into your home. And put your hand on the phone and pick it up and dial it for you and put it to your head so that you will friggin' order this pay-per-view already.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Bruce Pritchard, I was listening to Bruce Pritchard yesterday, and he said that Gorilla Monsoon, like, let's say Madison Square Garden holds 18,000, 20,000. I don't know how much it holds. Uh He would be like, Gorilla Monsoon would be like, we have (laughs) 24,000. He's like, no, Gorilla. (laughs) Like, we just announced the number, and the building doesn't hold that. Yep. You know? But no, 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 say say nothing about. it. But Tony Chivani is saying this is the biggest match or the biggest pay per view. Like he's the only person that's ever hyped something beyond. And like the whole point of professional wrestling is not to hype your product.
2: Mm, mm, for sure. Oh God. I to say Tony wasn't out of control at times yeah. with that phrase, but man, yeah, like it's it's on both sides for sure.
1: Yeah. It, no, he was out of control. But I can I can pick any guy, almost anybody from this era, and pin the same thing on them. Yep. So. Why do we only say it about one person is my question. Same reason we say the Heart Foundation is the greatest tag. They're not better than the Rockers, in my opinion. And that's. And I don't even think the Rockers are in top. Uh, probably 30 or, I don't know. i can even get my, I'll stop saying numbers because I haven't <laughs> thought about this. But anyway, Jake Roberts says that um, they're going to feast on a 400-pound white um, white meat. <laughs> so, he's wrestling King Kong Bundy, by the way.
2: Yeah, yeah. Uh, there's going to be a lot of Jake to talk about as well on here. Um, Amazing that, yeah, he's already a baby face. Like, you think of Jake Roberts as this malevolent presence because he was so uh, good at being creepy and threatening and all this stuff. But, man, almost – and, like, his WWF career, where he made his fame, is like – a tiny heel run at the start and a tiny heel run at the end, and he is just like a beloved baby face for almost this whole time. So we are we are getting into that already.
1: <laughs> yes, I, I I asked my girlfriend who has never seen Jake the Snake Roberts or King Kong Bundy. I was like, who's gonna win, Jake the Snake Roberts or King Kong Bundy? So she tried to imagine it and she thought she thought two things: King Kong Bundy would beat Jake the Snake, and Jake the Snake had to be a like kind of devious heel. And I was like, wrong and wrong. <laughs> uh,
2: a great chance to school your girlfriend. I love it.
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, because like, what do you think? Like, because it's, it's supporting what you just said. Is like, yep. if I so I tell someone, oh, have you met Jake the Snake Roberts? Like, nope, and I don't want to. Right, <laughs> you know?
2: yeah. Like, it must be this sleazy, bad person. And, yeah, he probably, he probably is that, both. But, man, this is the guy... I, we probably talked about it a little before, but it's the guy that, yeah, he, he uh, DDT Hulk Hogan on a, a live taping, and he got cheered for it mm-hmm. in this era, which is just freaking unbelievable. So you cannot tell me that this man is not one of the most charismatic guys that you, you will ever have in wrestling.
1: Yeah, and, and it also just shows, like, in order to do the Legacy Series, you got to back a few steps away from what you know. Mm-hmm. like. Something very interesting to me is the fact that like early Undertaker is so compelling. I can't wait to get to that. And like if I step back from what I know, how in the world did the Undertaker of the beginning so quickly become a babyface?
2: Yeah,
1: like it's strange. And it's the same thing with Jake Roberts, but this is a like again. Your behavior does not matter. It's only where you align yourself so you can be. Jake Roberts is going to put the snake on the referee before this night is over. And Vince McMahon is going to cheer for the referee being attacked by the snake. And then when Jesse Ventura pushes him on how wrong that is, he's like, well, I wanted to see somebody, uh, the snake on somebody. And that's just the, like, if that, if Jake the Snake was a heel who was attacking the referee with a snake, Jack Tunney would be on the screen suspending him.
0: Yep.
1: So we are in a world, man. Anything can happen. Uh... Gene Oakland works overtime, Bobby Heenan works overtime. There's gonna be a lot of people you're gonna see many, many times. And you might say, we just had some promos. What happened next? Some promos.
2: <laughs>
1: Gene Oakland. Uh,
2: that's great.
1: With Hulk Hogan. Uh let me see what we got here.
2: Uh, Hulk Hogan. Uh, everybody told him that he should wait for wrestlemania but he doesn't care he doesn't listen to these people even if everybody else in the whole battle royal or even in the whole world attacked him he would still just be laser focused on andre he only cares about that right now um so yes the uh the very self uh focused hulk hogan is here again (laughs)
1: Yeah, and still is Hulk Hogan the line drawer because he says the 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 ones who said to him why don't you wait they aren't Hulkamaniacs. So the line is <laughs> You're drawn again.
2: Excluded from <laughs> from my cult, uh, my organization. Yes. Oh my
1: god. But it does make sense in a way because he, it, what he's bringing it back to is if you know Hulk Hogan, Hulk Hogan is going in and he's going to rage. Like there's nothing that this Hulk Hogan likes better than to rage. And Andre the Giant. That's why he loves Bobby Heenan. That's why why they last so long together, because Bobby Heenan is a permanent license to rage and to get away with it.
2: (laughs) He's a beautiful instigator. Um, But yeah, this is like classic, like you watch an 80s movie, like somebody would tell Rocky, "Uh, no, you can't (laughs) confront your enemy before the big (laughs) fight. You know, you have to be more careful. No, (laughs) screw that. You know, they're not going to be careful. They're the red blooded (laughs) hero. And yeah, they're going to rage. They're going to. They're going to do what feels right, and they're going to be right always. So, yeah, it's uh, it's it's archetypal.
1: It is. It is. But you also have to give them some uh, credit and resilience because, like, I guess the stereotype, if I'm not watching this, and you told me about this promo, I would say, oh, yeah, and then he goes into Battle Royal and eliminates 450 men like he claimed.
2: <laughs> yeah, but, but they subvert that, which is – yeah, he's, uh, I, I really like this battle royale we're going to talk about a little later. There's a lot of good stuff there.
1: Here's a, here's the a, here's a, here's a thing real quick. 300-pound Hulk Hogan, who ruled the effing world, could get tossed out of a battle royal. But 165-pound Hulk Hogan in WCW in the mid-'90s <laughs> uh, with no fan support at times could, not, could never even be tossed through the middle rope.
2: Yep. Yep, but that's there, the difference some... we were talking about, the line of Hulk Hogan being this actual incredible force who was everything he said he was, and then being this insufferable guy who was taking even more than what he would have deserved at his peak, and he wasn't even at his peak anymore.
1: Yeah. And we moved Savage and Liz, and we t- told there is a love triangle, despite the fact that Liz is not involved with the triangle, and uh, Vince says, what a prize. <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh my gosh. Um... Randy Savage in this area, you've talked a few times about that. I will say Randy Savage, I want to tighten it up even more. He said 87 to 92, I think. Um, okay. Randy Savage, and I don't know exactly when it ends, but Randy Savage of the Short Tights is the guy yeah. who, like, you put a, a plug, an electrical plug in his mouth, and he would power the whole arena for you. Savage in the Short Tights is just, like, this exploding force of personality charisma everything you could possibly want for a professional wrestler and the day he puts on the long tights and the weird like mm. shirt thing is the day that i think he loses a little something and he's always great savage i think is one of the greatest uh which is not a controversial opinion but savage of the short tights is something above and beyond i think
1: i don't remember exactly but that's still gonna be close to 92 i think because it
2: could be some... you could be right yeah
1: I I could also be wrong, but I feel like somewhere around 93 or 94, they get the idea in WWF. Well, you'll see it, and this is something I want to talk about again and again, is when when WWF decides it's a new era, like, the weird hanger-on. Like, you got Iron Sheik in this show, even though he's almost kind of not a part of the era that is happening now. We talked the other day, we got Rick Martel in the beginning of the new generation, but you'll see sometimes how the new generation works him over. Um, Savage, you know, it's like... They wanted him, to, I think, to be a commentator, and they wanted him to work backstage. And yeah. you know, they, like all of a sudden, it was like overnight, like you are super old and you can't do anything. <laughs> and I think the outfit might have co- co- gone with the um, and they, I think I heard them say that it was just his idea. But at the same time, it's like Ric Flair being insecure, like my, in WCW. Yeah, that's that's Ric Flair's insecurity. But who's like also like like making that um occur?
2: Right. So. Right. That doesn't come from nowhere, for yes.
1: sure. So Savage, uh Gene Erklin says, um, some um some say she's more than a manager. Savage says rules are made to be broken and your neck could be broken too, Gene.
2: <laughs> yeah, he threatens to throw him uh, through a wall for yes. suggesting that. And it's because I too thought that it was kind of more understood yeah. that they were that Liz was more than a manager, but apparently it is not um Apparently Savage does not want that to be brought up.
1: So there it is. Yeah, it's so interesting because as this era that we're going through um, goes on, um, I have talked about this in the forums. I'll say it right now. Uh, for those of you who have known and have listened to us, I've talked about the earth, the fire, uh, the air and the water elements. And now I'm, I'm adding a space element as something that uh, is kind of beyond kind of those elements. And we'll define it as we go. We'll figure it out. But real briefly, I can see like how, let's say Randy Savage sometimes is talking in ways that almost make no sense. But they, they feel like an extension of his fire and his anger and his passion and his wrath. Mm. And then there'll be some times where he's talking and it sounds like he's just on another planet. <laughs> you know, Hulk Hogan does this. The Ultimate Warrior only does exclusively does this. Right? Hulk, the, the Ultimate Warrior has a his hands have a relationship with some kind of electricity of the gods. You know, there's there's some element that's going to be difficult to talk about. And so I say all of that to say it's going to be hard to pick sometimes where is like the the literal macho man who is like both inspiring and toxic because of how much of a macho man he is. And then where is that savage that just like Hogan the Warrior also kind of transcends into something that is not neither macho or man? Mm-hmm.
2: You know. Maybe relative to the uh, cocaine usage of that particular <laughs>
1: day. I thought about that. When I, mean, I saw Hogan's the face, look, when the show first comes on in the promos and you see Hogan's face, I was like, maybe it's just that they're all just kind of um, on something. So.
2: <laughs> I, I mean, uh, that's another um, hallmark of the 80s that cocaine yeah. was very in at the time, so... Uh, we won't speculate too far. <laughs> uh, oh man,
1: good times!
2: Very good times. Uh, we also have Okerlund with George Steele, who cannot form coherent sentences. Uh, he can just kind of grunt and make weird comments. Gene Okerlund uh, sur- sur- summarizes things by saying that uh, Liz will lose either way tonight. So that's a great position that, that you put Liz <laughs> in, everybody. She's got to go with one of these two guys.
1: He's also, I might want to point out, saying that as he is hitting on her himself. So I think <laughs> the suggestion is, you know, there are there are other options out there, Liz.
2: Oh, I love the consistent pervertedness of Gene Okerlund. <laughs> yes. It's just this weird undercurrent of his character that, I don't know, it adds something in a weird way.
1: And what would he be about that? Like, you know, <laughs> some things just ring true on that twelve sense level. So, you know, Gene, yeah.
2: Uh, it's the little things that, like everybody's like, oh, we need a Gene Orkeland type today, blah, blah, blah. But we got all these people, and they're always, like, so interchangeable. You know, NWA maybe notwithstanding, although I can't tell some of those guys apart, I have to admit, Um, but at least they're trying. And the fact is, most of them, they don't have something unique about them. Like, they don't stand out. They are interchangeable to all the other ones. That's why I kind of like... Journalist Joe, um, not insofar as I like the things he does, but I like I would never mistake him for anyone else. Yes. Like he has a distinct style. He's doing something that only he would do. And sometimes I'm like, why would you do that? But at least, you know, I could never interchange him with Alex Marvez or any of these other people running around there, you know?
1: It is one of the greatest details. Small details might be the great detail that we don't do not mention enough. I am currently playing um, my favorite series in the whole JRPG world is Trails, uh, Legend of Heroes, Trails in the Sky, Trails of Cold Steel. And I love it because every character is so unique. You might not like them, but they are always themselves. And you know when you put two of them together, there's no way they can get along because they are so much themselves. And then I finish and I try to play other games and they're like, I'm the hero and I'm going on a journey. And the plot is big, but they have no small details. Mm. And so it just washes everything away. Like I can no longer go. I, I did that for like decades and enjoyed it. But when you when you see something where everyone has their small details and they get them right, you can't go back to uh, avenues that wash that like wash that out.
0: Mm.
1: Like Jesse Ventura says, that that little ball headed pervert.
2: Oh, <laughs> 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 uh, a lot of good things to say about Jesse Ventura as well, <laughs> who I think uh, is one of the only people who rivals. Bobby Heenan uh, and in some ways I'll even say surpasses him as that heel color commentator uh, just relentlessly calling things the way that he sees them and uh, not sticking to uh, the pre-approved like Jesse Ventura will never deny something that is in front of his eyes just because it doesn't fit the narrative he was told that he's supposed to put out there Uh, He is fiercely independent, and uh, that's something that I really enjoy about his commentary.
1: And that just gets back to this is an era where they gave them broad suggestions, but let them be themselves.
2: Sure, and it's an era where WrestleMania three is going to be a smash success, but it hasn't happened yet. And there was power in the hands of the wrestlers... Because it was all kind of riding on them. This is not yet a brand that will just sustain itself regardless Mm -hmm. of anything that happens. This is something where it has to be collaborative. It has to be everyone working together and doing their best and pulling their weight. So there's there's really something to be said to that. It speaks, of course, to Ventura as well, who I don't remember the time period exactly, but was fiercely trying to put together a wrestler's union. And I think it might be why he ended up leaving when like mm-hmm. he did but uh but yeah I mean there's a lot to like about Jesse Ventura
1: yeah yeah absolutely that's also when we get to the attitude Era, that's my argument for why like I do not think Vince McMahon in any era that the WWF could sustain itself would be like let me make stone cold or, well let, let me make ringmaster my top um <laughs> talent you know right. but th- we when, when you want to find to me the best errors and moments. It's where you have kind of WWF and what it brings in a good way combined with a vulnerability that it has to allow its talents to be uh, who they are, you know, and when they when when it just becomes one thing or another, it's a whole different thing. Yeah. Yeah. Great point.
2: Uh, alright, so we're getting to this match, Savage vs. Steel, for the Intercontinental Championship. It's a match that's happened before, but here it is on the eve of WrestleMania 3. From Vince McMahon, he gives, he pretty much summarizes the situation. He says, it's gonna be legal tonight to <laughs> fight for the possession of this woman. Um, so.
1: As long so, yeah. as it's legal.
2: <laughs> <laughs> and Vince is gonna declare what is legal and what is not. So.
1: The Vince Man. I think I, because I did not enjoy Vince McMahon as a child, because, you know, when I was watching, it was all, like, this guy's stupid, and he's loud, and, he, and his, all his commentary is wrong, like, everything's everything's a three count, but, like, as an adult, you know, understanding, like, uh, concepts better, like, I can see, I, I think I might see his charm this time around.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I can easily understand why someone would not like this McMahon on commentary, but I do have a soft spot for him, so yeah. that's, that's funny.
1: I enjoyed it on this, because I think a lot of times we try to be so smart, and we try to tell stories that are so smart. And smart is smart, but there's a sophistication in simplicity, too. And so this show has like three points to make. And so each person says that point 37 times to make sure you're getting it. <laughs> and in some moments, I don't know, like in some eras, like that's just irritating to me. And in some, it's just amplifying things and making it feel bigger and bigger and bigger. So yeah, here it, do, here it does the latter for me.
2: No, I agree. Um, uh, these stories are very broad, but they're also very compelling in the way that they hammer them home. They're so invested in making WrestleMania 3 a success, and everybody is on board with this, and there's a certain energy to it that you really feel. WrestleMania 3, I'll say it to blue in the face, was not the biggest success, maybe in wrestling history, still by accident. Like, this yeah. is something that everyone worked incredibly hard for.
1: That's an excellent point that we need to carry that through to the next show. Uh, one of the most amazing things in this era that I'll never get tired of is Savage diving off the top rope with a double axe handle to the floor
2: Oh, super good yeah there's something about a move that that would look probably very simple today but when savage is doing it in this time in this place uh it's really great i I love to see it another thing i love to see is the man who is the king of being grumpy the man who could never Mm. let anything go no matter how much he should ricky steamboat he cannot help but get involved in this match, and maybe maybe this time you can't blame him because he did have his larynx crushed by the macho man. But still, you got to love grumpy Steamboat, the man who could never let anything go.
1: Yeah, and it's also smart that this, this gigantic historical match that's going to be Steamboat and Savage is playing out through a George the Animal Steel-Savage feud.
2: <laughs> yeah, and that feud, I mean, they had a match at WrestleMania two. So that's been going on for a year. Again, you're talking about like the interconnected community of this time. Yes, it's not Savage Savage and um, Steamboat in a bubble. There's a lot of other things connected to this feud, and it is enhanced because of it.
1: I don't even know how to talk about how that interconnected community, what that does for me, but that it raises the value a hundredfold, and I don't even know how to say why. Mm
2: -hmm. Absolutely, and every wrestling promotion that i've ever loved that that is an essential thing like you gotta have these characters but you can't just have them they've all got to talk to each other even when they're not feuding with each other you know there's just something special about that
1: i think i think it makes it real in a way mm. that i need it to be real and because <clears throat> like if, if i'm at my job There might be people that I spend more time with and people I spend less time with, but almost everybody there, someone I've never met that works there can send a little earthquake that tremors my world.
2: Yeah.
1: You know, so I've got to have interactions with them once in a while. And so this is like these are thought out, real breathing characters versus the worst of the worst of the worst, which is. I am feuding with you for thirty days and I hate you and I've never thought about anything except you and then like on the next day all you're gonna do is turn to someone else and start saying that same thing to them. Yeah,
2: yeah. You know,
1: oh no. This is good though. This is this is good stuff. Steamboat is Steamboat's very dynamic. Like I think Steamboat could have done a lot more in WWF had it worked out differently.
2: Oh yeah, I mean I'm sure we'll talk about it when it comes, but uh, he's, he's hugely popular here, his upside is enormous, uh, he will make the mistake of wanting to spend more time with his son, his newborn son, and uh, Vince will never forgive him for it, so we're going to see him peak at WrestleMania 3, quickly lose the title to the Honky Tonk Man, he'll come back in 1990 as the Dragon and receive no respect and no attention, and uh, yeah, I mean... Get your kicks with Steamboat while you can, because from here on out, pretty much all the great stuff he does will be in WCW.
1: He might be just as big in WCW, I don't know, but his torso looks like Eddie Guerrero. Like, both men, <laughs> when they are in WWF, could expand their torso in ways they couldn't in other promotions. <laughs> That's the magic of the show, folks. Yep. <laughs> Nothing to see here. Uh, yeah, so they and here's the thing I like that— the, I think nothing makes a classier human being than being a heel in babyface privilege, because you really have to justify everything that you do. So, like, Steamboat is going to harass Savage, cause problems for him, and later we're going to see Savage, and Savage and Ventura are going to be, like, explaining, well, you know, they did it first, so I'm doing this because of this. Steamboat doesn't have to come out and explain, like, why he's out there. You know, he yeah. just gets to come out there and, like, turn the place upside down.
2: But, uh, in in fairness... Thanks to the great build of this show, I think uh, it's actually to their strength that he doesn't have to come out and say, this is why I did this, because yes. everybody knows this is why he did this. And at some point, you know, it passes from the realm of babyface privilege, and if you have a man who tried to cripple you, literally cripple you, who tried to crush your throat and you couldn't speak, and you were stuck at home not knowing if you would ever be the same again, Maybe now you actually have earned the right, the privilege, to come out and mess with this guy. And you don't have to say it because everybody knows it. And that's a good story that's being told.
1: Did he do that though, to Steamboat before after Steamboat had already done this in his match?
2: Oh, gosh. I don't know. He yeah. could have done it before, for all I know. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, yeah. I can't okay, remember so the chronology. Exactly. This
1: one turns out to be what? Uh, it's a DQ count out. Because a lot of... The Heels also can only win a certain way in this era in the Yeah, cases. um a
2: lot of uh a lot of uh inconclusive finishes in this era, as we will experience, even on major shows. Uh yes, this is a count out victory. Um <laughs> it maybe should have been a DQ because Savage throws like like nowadays there's one type of chair yes. you can use in wrestling. In this era there's like also like whatever random shit was around the arena. And there's this like big ringside chair, um, and and uh, Savage just like throws it at Steele, and uh, there's just some uh, some crazy ridiculousness at the end of this. But yeah, no, it's very fun, um, punctuated as you mentioned by Vince preaching that Liz wants to go with George Steele, even though she's making it very clear that she does not.
1: Yeah, so good point so you got kind of what well, was like a lifeguard yeah uh, yeah it's that it's that big and it's laying on george still while he's being counted out and the referee just counts him <laughs> out and the way he got counted out though is he went out and tried to take liz away during the match mm-hmm. which again like you already got a match somehow where you can win her which is you know a <laughs> conversation in its own but now you're trying to take her away and Vince man's like legit observation is like his like trying to force her away from ringside is her wanting to go with him and Savage takes advantage of it, and Savage gets the victory, but, you know, it's yep. always got to be. He
2: still owns Liz, uh, so. Yeah.
1: <laughs> we don't know what um, it is. We don't know where their relationship stands, sir. You and Gene Oakland trying to stir that pot. <laughs> what about uh, his Hogan's workout promo?
2: <laughs> oh, my gosh. I don't think I took a note of that one. There's all sorts of... Wacky Hogan things in
1: this era. Um, Hogan is doing some weird little arm exercise where he's like calling out the names of his enemies in order to get motivation. <laughs> <laughs> Man, this is why I wanted to do this though, because some of this, some of the matches are going to be boring. Some like everything's not going to be perfect, but like for a few moments, you are going to be just to try to talk about this stuff puts you in a place different than anything else that you can like do with your time. Mm. All right, we got a big battle royal sitting in the second spot here. uh, Gene Okerlund is with Andre, um, the winner of the most battle royals in the history of wrestling. That's another one.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. Um, Yeah, Okerlund backstage with Heenan and Andre. Uh, Hogan will try to hide behind everybody else, says Bobby Heenan. Andre, he doesn't care about that. He just wants Hogan. Oh, my God. Oakland says it is the biggest man and the biggest ego in wrestling. And, yeah, I think if you're talking about Andre and Hogan, that's probably exactly correct.
1: Yeah. It's also, again, hitting your marker, hitting your marker. Hulk Hogan's going to say a hundred times, you betrayed the kids. You betrayed me. Why did you do this? And Bobby Heenan's is going to say you never offered him a shot. You took advantage of him. They just hit their points over and over and over again. And you know what the story is about.
2: Mm-hmm. absolutely uh the competitors all come out to the ring and of course it's a who's who of uh wrestlers from this era vince is on commentary and he goes on a big tirade about how there was such a deep love between hogan and andre and he goes on and on and you would think they would have been married or something yeah. by the way that he's going on about this and vince ultimately condemns andre for holding resentment in his heart and he didn't say anything about that when ricky steamboat came out or any of these other people who come out to resent the things that were done so uh the double standard is here again
1: and they they use like oh he's so ugly look at his ugly nasty body his ugly face oh
2: it's so
1: evil oh
2: my god yeah
1: (laughs) like if you think he was big and nasty, which is Hogan's w- words, and his face was all this and that, which is Vince, like then you probably thought that secretly when he was a babyface and you pretended to like him.
2: <laughs> Indeed. Uh, at least they didn't bust out Stinky. That's my least favorite. Yeah, Hogan's that's so. <laughs> yeah
1: Nasty took the place. That's a little better.
2: It, so, it is.
1: <laughs> where are the nasty boys in the top? I'm uh, no, just kidding. All right, let's go. Uh,
2: yes, not present. Thank you. Okay.
1: <laughs> this is... This is uh, bold, and maybe this goes back to, I think, the point of the show that maybe has, like, got me thinking, is your point, that, that WrestleMania 3 had not happened. This is them trying to make WrestleMania 3 what WrestleMania 3 will be. Yeah. It feels so bold and brazen in the middle of the show to give us this battle royal that's going to pit Hogan and Andre together. I am one of those sad, passive, non-Hulkamaniac souls that would have been like, Hogan, you don't have to do it. But they're doing it. And it it feels like a big damn deal for them to be getting in the ring like this together.
2: It really does. Their first chance ever, really, to get physically involved against each other in this era. Uh, Putting aside, you know, everyone kind of knows now, they wrestled in the early 80s. But, yeah, I mean, it's very fresh and new for everything that's going on right now. Um, So coming out, Hulk Hogan is the last to arrive. Andre blocks his way to the ring. We have a very tense moment where Andre is like, bring it on, basically. Hogan is ready to get it on. But that beautiful man who we will get to talk about a lot, Paul Orndorf, yes. bitter enemy of Hulk Hogan, who just finished one of the best drawing feuds in all of wrestling history, blindsides him and starts beating Hogan up to start the match. That's a great that's a great start right there i want to really get into the details of this battle royale and that's the first one that i want to get on because i gotta i gotta show some love for my man paul Warner.
1: absolutely and he'll do that two or three times and every time it was a reward for me based on what we saw earlier when we were doing the series um, i want to hear all your points so real quick i just want to say uh one second back before that if you if you're a visual learner and you want to know who rules this era and what this era is about. There are 19 people in the ring when Hulk Hogan gets in. 19 of them will slide to divide half the ring for Hulk Hogan to stand in and pose. And then 19 filling up half a ring on the other side. <laughs> so now I'm, that's my point.
2: <laughs> Fair enough. Um, to a point you made earlier, Hulk Hogan was definitely not acknowledging that Bobby Heenan has other people in this match. Cause not only Paul Orndorff, but also Hercules part of the Heenan family. Hercules, a guy that I'm a fan of, I think is underrated. They're in here trying to take Hulk Hogan out. Hulk Hogan fighting him off. Makes the first elimination, which is the Honky Tonk Man, which is fine with me. Um, Honky Tonk Man is another narrative I want to examine because there's two narratives. One, kind of the popular one is, oh, well, he he didn't really bump or wrestle. He didn't do a lot. And now it's like a counter narrative. Well, actually, he was a great entertainer Uh, without doing those things Um, so I want to examine closely which one that I want to agree with because I tend towards the former but I can see the argument for the latter so I want to see what what comes of that
1: yeah I think it's a subjective nature in a way of that conversation because I have never enjoyed the honky-tonk man and I don't know how I'll, I'll feel in watching this now but in at least in WWF I I there are moments where I can say I understand what people are talking about
2: Mm, yeah yeah so that only an like, interesting
1: thing here's the thing i guess for the history like just because a man carries a guitar to the ring and sings that doesn't provoke me to anger like it might irritate me i don't want to see it <laughs> if i don't like it but for so many people in the world they get angry about it and I, like that's just never done it for me you can trace that line all the way to now as with several people and none of them have ever angered me by playing their stupid guitar <laughs> <you> know, <so. laughs>
2: that's a very good point yeah the things he does are not really that infuriating in my opinion so that that could be part of my disconnect um
1: the older i get too it's like if that's all does it for you life is really short so you know play your guitar and sing you know <laughs> enjoy yeah, yourself sure.
2: like it doesn't really bother me so i don't know yeah that's a good point i have never really singing gimmicks don't get under my skin um yeah,
1: like all right so what is it? is it is it do you say elias is that how you say his name or is it yeah, something else i
2: think so. all right too. jeff
1: jeff jarrett like None of these people have provoked me to anything. Right. Like they might provoke me to change the channel if I don't want to hear them sing. Like just like being honest. But like, there's so many people that just want to see them get beat up for it. Like, oh my God, get them! They played their guitar. They sang. Well, you know, a lot of people sing. A lot of people it's not it's not that out there, you know. Like Yeah, there's <laughs> right? a professional yep. wrestler, but they might have other interests.
2: Yeah, and it's yeah, kind they're enjoying of enjoying their life. Yeah. yeah, and
1: it's bold. Like it's a little bold to be like Hey, can I show you my other talent? Guess fucking Rock. And maybe that's the only person that's ever angered me because he takes over half the show with his concerts, and I get angry, I'm like, get him! And everybody's like, what are you talking about? This is beautiful! <laughs> I'm like, oh, I don't understand these roles! <laughs> <laughs>
2: oh, oh wow. That's that's a great point. I love that. I don't that. have
1: no friends left. Uh, who cares?
2: <laughs> we'll be friends. It'll be good. <laughs> It'll be fine.
1: I want to say real quick, because you just said it, the most impressive person in this match to me by far was Hercules.
2: Sure, yeah. And here's a guy with no narrative, no reputation, except, oh, muscle guy probably wasn't very good. And I, I push back against that strongly because he's not the best ever, but he's pretty impressive. I like Hercules.
1: He moves with great speed and great, like, burst. I guess maybe Lex Luger has uh, created that in me, but I am a fan of the big guy that has bursts. Hmm. And he has on this match. And I was thinking, like, as a kid, I don't think I, these two are nothing alike. But I don't think I knew Hercules from the Berserker. So, you know, like, <laughs> oh, weird names and monsters, you know. But man, I had no, I had no frame for him whatsoever. And I was like, this guy is just number one. He's so fucking pale that he stands <laughs> out. Yeah. His abs don't look like they're real. It's like <laughs> they were just like bricks placed within his midsection. <laughs> yep uh and then he's like really fast he's got really good bursts i think there's something really here and so this is gonna be a guy that if we both feel this way who's gonna get himself a narrative out of this
2: yeah I, i think he will i think he will for sure uh the battle royal continues andre responds in kind making his own elimination throws at sika who, if people don't know, is the father of Roman Reigns. Mm. And I will just say, it's my personal opinion, you can like Roman Reigns, you can not like Roman Reigns. But if you watch his father wrestle, you will think Roman Reigns is a better wrestler because Sika is terrible. Oh, that's interesting. <laughs> that's my opinion anyway. And maybe he's past his prime here, I don't know. But um, he's out early, which is good, in my opinion. Um, I have
1: no memory of him, so, yeah, you know, I don't think he's going to do a lot.
2: I'm trying to remember it, because there's, and this is bad on my part, but there's a lot of Samoans. I'm trying to remember, was it Afa and Sika, who were, like, the... I think it was them, who were, like, kind of the fathers of, like, this whole Samoan uh-huh. dynasty. So, they probably had some good times a lot earlier. Um, yeah. But by this point, no, it's bad. Like, I watched some Sika singles matches, and they, they about killed me,
1: so... And we don't know, I guess, if we haven't watched further back. Because that's one thing I do want to get, that sad reality. Being an older person now, <laughs> I might say that a lot in the show. Uh, like, to me, you know, Rick Martell was just like, get him off my screen in, like, like 93 or 94. Because just simply because he didn't belong in that generation. Like, I, I didn't know his backstory, you know. And I, was, I just knew it. Like, he's not Razor Ramon. He's not sure. the one, two, three kid. He's not Bret Hart. Like, you can, you can just start to feel, like, who's got forward projection and who is someone that, whether they're here for one more week or one more year, like, there's a wall in front of them. And you start to despise them based on the wall, and you think it's them that you despise. Mm,
2: yeah, good point, good point. Um, what else we got in here? We have Ron Bass and Blackjack yeah. Mulligan going at it because there's only room for one cowboy in the West. And that's another one of these like weird side community feuds that intersect with other things. That's something I like. Um, yeah, Vince just-
1: McMahon will make an argument that if you want to know how evil Andre the Giant is, he's punishing wrestlers before he throws them out. Mm-hmm. That is the dumbest argument in the history of, like, arguments. <laughs> and Jesse and Turner tries to explain, like, we call this the most dangerous match in wrestling, and people know they're going to get beat up. How else do you throw them out? And Vince Man just goes, he's punishing them. <laughs> <laughs> and this are the arguments that just fly, and it's like,
0: okay, okay,
1: he's punishing them. Hulk Hogan yeah. is not punching and kicking and clawing his way through people.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's a very uh, singular viewpoint and narrative that is being pushed here but again that's how they get a lot of this stuff over they just say it until you believe it so
1: so yeah eventually i was like because they like look at his face it's so twisted and i'm like what's wrong with your (laughs) face andre
2: okay in fairness andre does have like a weird face like if you look at it too closely you could be afraid so (laughs) and they
1: that's what i mean that then they tie it to like the fact that he did an evil deed turned <laughs> them into this.
2: <laughs> right, yeah. Like he had that same face the whole time, so. <laughs>
1: and like, okay, so that's the evidence. The good guys have to be right because they say in spaces like this and in spaces like this. <laughs> <laughs> My God, this has been right the whole time. Uh,
2: that's that's the scientific method, is what they call <laughs> that. So. <laughs> oh, uh, uh, what else? Lanny Poppo is in here, and he somehow just gets busted open and bleeds all over the ring in the middle of this match, and he gets thrown out by Andre, and it looks kind of awful. It makes me think it was an accident or something, but also, like... I'm sorry, but it was also really cool and it puts over how dangerous this battle royal is. I'm a sucker for battle royals anyway, and I know some people think they're dull. It's just guys standing in the corner and punching each other. I like a good battle royal, and that this is a very good battle royal, I think, because a lot of different stuff like that, unexpected stuff happens in here.
1: Yeah, I don't know. It felt unexpected from the announcers, from the fact that he's just pouring, gushing blood everywhere. Yeah. yeah. And, but like you said, Like, if your whole, like, point of the Battle Royal is how evil this man is and he's punishing people, somebody drowning in their own blood on the floor is a pretty good sight to make that point come home.
2: (laughs) It really is. It added something here that it wouldn't have had otherwise. But, okay, here's one of my favorite parts in the match. Hercules and Paul Orndar, they team up again. They're going after Hulk Hogan. They Irish whip him across the ring, and he runs straight into Andre, who doesn't budge an inch. And these two absolute megastars have a huge stare down. And then they start fighting and the place becomes unglued at the sight of this. And then it only lasts probably a few seconds because they get broken up by everybody else in the Battle royal. They get in the way. They kind of separate them. But man, the crowd just lost it for that. And it's like the perfect tease. I'm putting myself in the mind of a wrestling fan who's on the fence in 1987 about buying this pay-per-view. And after I saw this, I would be like, I have to buy the pay-per-view now. Look at what I just saw. How much more am I going to see at WrestleMania three?
1: Absolutely. Uh, Hogan will have something like that with The Warrior and mm. others. And it's like worlds are colliding, and there's something in the fact that they just kind of bump into each other and neither goes anywhere. It's like both forces are so large and they, they embody so much that you don't know that one of them could be taken away or taken down. Mm -hmm. And that is the ultimate place to be. You know, they don't, they don't give you everything. They give you just a hint of it. And then to me, the most masterful thing that I have seen in a long time in professional wrestling is that by the time they come back together, Andre's just going to whip his ass. He's going to come up behind him, grab his head, headbutt him, and throw him over the top rope, and he's done with him.
2: Yes, yes. Uh, Hogan throws out Orndorff, uh, throws his better enemy out, but he, he's distracted by that. And like you say, Andre eliminates Hogan with absolute ease in an era where very little bad stuff happened to Hulk Hogan. Um, so, yeah, like, it's hard to stress how big this moment felt like just just so easily he just threw him out like the biggest star and he just threw him out like it was nothing
1: threw him out with ease to the point that jesse ventura got to say out loud he threw him out with ease yeah yeah it's like something broke like these are the moments too i think where as a kid watching not knowing if the outcomes are predetermined or not these little things that always was like you know keep me not 100 percent sure because i I would always think Well, why in the world would they book Hulk Hogan to be thrown out in like in five seconds by Andre the Giant, Mm. you know? And it's just, because it's it's just mind-blowing because Bobby Heenan said they were going to do it. Andre did it. Jesse Ventura acknowledged it. it, There's so much much to be inspired by from these men, but you know that that's not the point. And Hulk Hogan, the difference between this and 1992 is good referees because Hulk Hogan wants to go in there and pull someone out, and the referees (laughs) do not allow it. If they had done that for him in 92, maybe the fans wouldn't have cheered to see justice over him. But, you know, same Hulk Hogan, same behavior when he gets thrown over the top rope.
2: Absolutely. He's just as much a sore loser here as he would ever be. Uh, but he can get away with it in this time. And as you say, he didn't actually go back and ruin the match. Um, I love this, though, because, yeah, the referees are kind of like, like escorting him to the back. Hogan or Andre is still in the ring and he's just like taunting Hogan. He's like, "Yeah, yes. come back, come back, do it. I'll throw you out again. <laughs> it's great." But yes.
1: uh, well, Andre brushes him off. It's like again, I'm saying this stuff having just watched it and I'm still not sure they really booked it like that.
2: Right. Yeah, uh, it's it's something special for sure because Andre acts like Hulk Hogan is just nothing and and you gotta love that because who else would have the the ability to just play it off like that this is how great this is andre is doing this he's like looking at hogan he's taunting hogan coco beware a guy i love that i will speak about positively many times but he plays his role here he like grabs andre and andre just swats him without even looking at him and he just Mm. keeps looking at hogan and it's oh i love that moment that's so great yes
1: yes uh, I'd, I'd have to see the Heart Foundation versus High Energy to know that they're better than High Energy for oh, the record. Buddy. There's
2: no I'd way that high energy. high energy is, like, ten times better in my
1: okay. mind. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I feel the same way, but I, I got a feeling that, that that wouldn't read well, but I love High Energy, and they'll they'll come. Uh, but this goes back to the minute you started talking about the build, and maybe we can find that last episode, because there's so much good story, but Andre the Giant believes that Hulk Hogan is the heel and he is the babyface. Bobby Heenan always has believed sincerely that Hulk Hogan is a monster. So when they throw him out and the refs have to restrain him and they taunt him the reason they behave like that is that is Hulk Hogan, if Hulk Hogan had thrown Andre out and he had done that you would easily say it's because Andre betrayed him and Andre's a monster so that's why he's doing it. Hmm. Well it's because Hulk Hogan betrayed him and Hulk Hogan's a monster and Hulk Hogan never gave him a chance that's why he's doing it. And for it, they're allowed to be that real that while they got the good guy and the bad guy and the monster and the hero, they both have their narratives for why they are right about what they're doing. And they're convicted to the very reactions in their body when they do something. And that translates.
2: Mm. Yeah, it does. It's their own. They're employing in a weird way babyface privilege in this moment. Yes. Even though they're not the babyface, but they're doing just what a babyface would do if they, they're totally justified in their own mind.
1: I will argue in this era that by winning in that moment, for that moment, they were the babyface, because winning <laughs> is a babyface move, and so I guess they get to behave like that, because in that moment, they, they are the babyface, and Hulk Hogan is the heel, just because the rules would be babyface wins, and babyface lost, so he's not yeah. babyface for like the next 10 seconds.
2: Nothing more American in the 80s than winning, <laughs> so yes. yeah, that makes you the hero, <laughs> for sure.
1: <laughs> eh, what a world, mm-hmm. okay. Okay. <laughs>
2: Uh, so, uh, Andre standing tall, but, uh, everyone in the match, perhaps tired of being swatted like insects, everyone gangs up on Andre, even Hercules, which hurts me mm. a little bit because where's that heathen family loyalty? Uh, but they all managed to throw out Andre, which surprised me a lot because I actually thought he would win, but he probably wanted to go rest because he is sweating yeah. balls, like, Andre, he's doing better now than he will be, but, like, yeah. he's already kind of in rough shape, as everybody, I think, kind of knows. So so they throw him out. He gets to go back and rest. But, man, what an amazing performance. Like, even late-stage Andre is great to me, honestly.
1: He is. And there's no disrespect meant to Big Show, but to me, the closest thing to Andre the Giant is The Undertaker. Sure, you know, these are both, like, these are larger than life. Like, when they are in their best, you're blessed just to witness them. Mm. And that, that is what I got out of this. Like, he didn't have to do much. Like, I am witnessing something that is otherworldly, something that is beyond. And to me, the thing, same thing Vincent Man hates. Like, I love Andre's face. I love the expressions. Mm. I love how he how he comes across. And, again, though, the balls on this, these bookers that have, like – If I was betting money, I would have bet on Hogan. And then second, I would have bet on Andre. And then I would have bet on nobody else. Right. (laughs) Man, it's something. And I will give Hercules. Like, I I get the chastising. I think that's fair. But at the same time, this is a man that's going to win the Battle Royal and not even get an interview. So you got to take what you can.
2: Yeah, no, Uh, I mean, fair play to him. uh, But you know I'm heated family to my core. uh, But still, no, I take your point. Uh, The match does continue. Um, we get Coco Beware throwing out Butch Reed with a drop kick, and that's Man, two, Butch Reed to win this thing. I, I I was a fan of Butch Reed, absolutely. We'll speak positively about him as well as we go forward. I think, but that gives us a final four, which is Hercules, Coco Beware, Smash of Demolition, and uh, Billy Jack Haynes, who I don't like and I will speak negatively of. if I, I, I thought get the he was
1: going to win it in the final <laughs> four, to be honest. Sure,
2: yeah, like he he was the the burliest face. That yeah. he's left, so you would think in this era, but um, uh, Coco Beware goes out. Uh, Hercules and Smash team up to beat up Billy Jack Haynes. Uh, Billy Jack Haynes throws out Smash, and we get Hercules and Billy Jack Haynes, who are WrestleMania opponents, going at it. Mm. Bobby Heenan jumps up on the apron. Haynes tries to grab him because of course he does, and Hercules uses that chance to throw him out, and Hercules wins and i'm just so happy that billy jack did not uh that i couldn't be more pleased with the outcome here i
1: thought it was an excellent outcome i would like to have given five seconds uh to enjoy it and now i wonder i didn't know they were opponents. i wonder if all the heels are winning just so they can get beat at wrestlemania so i don't know yet
2: <laughs> uh, maybe i mean that would not be out of place for the era but uh there's a certain logic to that if that's the way that they're going
1: but Bobby Heenan got it done. Like, this is a big deal. He has conquered Hulk Hogan again. And it is nothing, especially a heel named Weasel, you yeah. know, telling you that you're wrong and you're going to find out and it's going to be easy. And then, you know, all of it comes to pass. That's a big deal.
2: Yeah. Yeah, it is. I, you, Bobby Heenan, you know, I've I spent more time talking right about him than any person in wrestling, maybe any person alive. So, um, uh, yeah, I can only praise his performance here. And uh, and it's a double performance as well, or maybe even a triple, depending on how much he's already done. Because right after the match, we go backstage to Andre, who brags that it took eight men to throw him out and only one to throw out Hogan. And then he didn't like sprint into the interview yeah. wild and sweaty from all the stuff that he's been doing. And he is just riding on a high because he and Andre are hyped up. They're competing to see who can sweat more during this promo. (laughs) They're both so, Mm. so hyped up here. Um, And Hina is just over the moon, just not from the family, not just from the family winning the match, but about the way that Andre tossed Hogan out of the ring with such incredible ease. And he promises Andre will be the next world champion. (laughs)
1: It's too, it's the to drilling down on the simplistic. Like Everything in this era is like a politician giving a stump speech. Mm. Like, quote this, quote this. Like, I, eight rustlers to get Andre out, one giant to get you out. It's uh, I, it, that says so much, and it's so, so, such a small statement. And then I love that Andre comes back to, you hid well, dummy, because he said, Hulk everyone's <laughs> going to hide, and then Andre's going to find him and easily throw him out. And again, maybe this is, uh, I know one thing that you have a problem with, because I've heard you say it several times, is that there are not a lot of heels in a lot of eras that will be heels anymore. And, you know, they're kind of cool and they're they're kind of popular and they move merchandise. Well, you can't have these moments in that era because there's something about dastardly people who are viewed by like 80 percent of people as being dastardly having victory, like just playing out victories and celebrations like you cannot incite an audience in any other way like you can when you have those people and they do what they said they're going to do and then you have to watch them celebrate and then the show's over you know
2: (laughs) absolutely and i yes i definitely know what you're talking about the thing that i don't like but something like i love a good heel victory when a heel wins like rub it in, be an what? asshole about it, like that is perfect in my opinion. The only time when I start to have a problem is when you act like you're too cool to even be involved like in the feud and like you don't care if you win or lose, but it, like, it means everything, you know, to Andre and Laheen to, and to do what they say that they will do. So, so yeah, there's there's no trace of that here and I think it's great.
1: Yeah. No, I mean like when you are a heel though that 50% of people cheer for you or you're kind of cool. Like, you can't have this moment. Like, if you celebrate, half the audience is celebrating with you. <laughs> yeah, but no, you are, it's like, true. I have my convictions, and only, like, 1% of the world agrees with me, but I think 99% of the world is who's fucked up, and I think Hulk Hogan is wrong, and I think all of you are wrong. And, you know, and I am really convicted on that. Nobody went to this building to watch Andre throw Hulk Hogan out and then Bobby Heenan and Andre to brag about it. But, you know, if you want fans to care about your product, you know, you've got to be able to do that sometimes. And for the rare folks who, like, think that they're right, yeah. like, these are the rare moments we get to see. Like, oh, the good guy won for once. <laughs> so it's just interesting.
2: It is. It's very interesting. It's great stuff. I love these kinds of heel moments. They're they're just wonderful.
1: Some of these, I don't know how, how often it's been done, but... He'll need to win a belt one day and have one of those champagne parties in the bag that babyfaces
0: get to have.
2: <laughs> um, hey, a little bit of the bubbly. Chris Jericho, right? Yeah. He oh, just yeah. did it. Yeah. yeah so <laughs> he, yeah. He, he threw a party for himself, you know? Um, that's right. God, I love Chris Jericho. All
1: right. Because that's another difference, though. Like, if you are a babyface and you win the belt, there's automat- automatically five people back there ready to bathe you in champagne. and Sure. Andre belt, did and it for here. Hogan. Yeah. Yes. He sure did. And that's another one, that image, bringing that image, because that was a different Andre, different look, younger. He didn't have the evil in him, so he was, you know, (laughs) you know. But having that image and then seeing this unfold, again, you mentioned George Yama still being a year old in that feud with Savage. These are things that are slowly unfolding and it makes the payoff even greater.
2: Yeah, yeah, it really does. They had so much to build off in this era. Like, It's a beautiful thing. I love it.
1: Yeah. Okay. I
2: never expected. I'll just say like I watched a lot of the stuff for the Heenan series. I covered it and I wrote about it and I never expected that I would fall in love with eighties WWF. I was like, oh it's like dumb cartoon, Hulk Hogan, like it's stupid, but I'll watch it for Bobby Heenan and Mm -hmm. it's so good. Like it took over the world for a very good reason.
1: Yes. There's there's so much. Like something can be popular, obviously, and not be good, but There are also many times where you say, oh, it's popular and it's not good. And then when you go back and look at it, you're like, ah, whether it's my thing or not, I actually see what was happening.
2: For sure. Uh, Actually experiencing it is so different than just like thinking about it, reading about it, hearing about it. Like it's just it's very different when you kind of transport yourself to that moment. And that's the transportation element that you've been talking about.
1: That's why I keep coming back to that, because we are like 100,000 interpretations of this era later in our yeah. brains. And not only does that make anything hard to experience, but especially something that was made to simply be experienced. This is an, an embodied experience, not a, huh, Well, huh, that, that third move, uh, I'm not sure if that that's not what's happening here. This is, like, the size of Andre the Giant's head and the faces that he makes is now, like, a personification of evil. mm you know, this is this is a world that you have to take in a different kind of way, and never to mind whole. I've never seen more dastardly looks than on the face of an angry Hulk Hogan, but that's a different. <laughs> yeah, this, this is great. I'm glad you had that experience because, you know, Bobby Heenan can is worthy of watching any era for, but Bobby Heenan's not the only great thing in this era. You find out that you know this is an era of greatness all around
2: yeah no there's an unbelievable amount of great stuff in this era um just like wrestlemania 3 wasn't a success by accident the wwf uh, in this era was not a success by accident they did so much right that it's it boggles the mind
1: i was thinking about jimmy hart in that water park in um, the earlier episodes we did
2: yeah
1: i don't know what it is but these there's something about these characters i don't know what do you think about the fact that like, these are not people that like, – I can't go to Walmart later and be like, oh, man, there's there's a, there's a honky-tonk man, you know. <laughs> or there's, like, you know, Andre the Giant. Or, sure. You know, th- these places where the only place you can get WWF is WWF. Yeah. Like, there's something to that, and I don't yet know what it is, but there's something worthwhile there.
2: Um, it's that larger-than-life – character thing like that's what it means when you're larger than live you're yeah. so the character is so large that you probably would never meet that character in real life you know yeah um and it's different than the nwa which you did talk about a little or wcw because a lot of these people like yeah you could meet a person like that somewhere and that doesn't mean that they're not uh, awesome that you can't yep. love those characters but it's like these characters are really from a different planet you're never going to meet these people on the street
1: yeah, I feel like if you go to the church or the bar, you're going to meet some, like, NWA, WCW people. Right. You know, they're going to be, uh, like, overdosing on something and raising hell, and the cops are going to be called, you know. And, you know, I love it. Like I said, they draw me in. But this – that's and that's why the transport – like, you have to be transported because I can't, I can't reach WWF in my natural state. Mm. And that's why – when you start to analyze it, especially as time goes by, you're like, oh, the, 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 I mean, that mat, they didn't have any good matches and this person was doing this. And, you know, well, now you have disqualified yourself from being able to have a conversation about what it was about. Mm. You have to go to it where it's at. And then if it doesn't do anything for you when you do that, then fine. But it's an experiential thing and it's a transportation thing and until you let until you let it take you where it is, and you experience it like that, then you can't really come back and talk about it one way or the other.
2: Yeah,
1: yeah. Like, big, big mustache, Jake Roberts with a snake. Like, the man has a snake around, him. Gene Erkeland is trying to in- interview... Like, if you don't know what this is, a man has a job to interview someone, but he can't really get to him because this other man has a snake wrapped around his neck 24-7, <laughs> and nobody says anything about it.
2: Yeah, that doesn't happen at Walmart. Uh. <laughs> Thank God. <laughs> yes, right, I would not... I would hate to live in a world where you can meet these WWF <laughs> people because they're not – you don't want to meet them most of the time. <laughs> yes. And so, all right, real quick, just, like, stepping back and thinking about this stuff
1: as creation, as creative, like, constructs, you know, if you were to walk around a WWF locker room in this time and look at either the gimmicks or the costumes or the looks, like – it is just, like, where does this come from? Like, Bobby Heenan's jacket and bow tie, Jimmy Hart's jacket. Like, there's nobody that looks like, you know, anything you're going to see anywhere. So it's different to have one gimmick like that, but then to walk in a room and everybody has a whole life and backstory and history that is of no root of reality. It's, it's, <laughs> it's mind-blowing at times when you let yourself really experience what that is like.
2: hmm Yeah. No, it is great, and there's something different because in a few years, um, a lot of people said I even said it myself. Like there's a like it's cartoonish, and they even had a cartoon in like 1985 or whatever. But there's something like like in the in one of the next matches, we're gonna have Tito Santana, and he's uh, you know larger than life too. He's like this fired up um, you know Hispanic guy, and like there's something about him and you wouldn't meet that guy exactly. But later he becomes. Uh, el matador and like that's a cartoon but this is like it's something different and i don't even know if i have the right word for it but it's not exactly cartoonish it's larger than life in a different way in a better way than some of the pitfalls that they're going to fall into later
1: Mm, 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 mm. we might have already stumbled into this reality now because (laughs) what we're saying in part is that you don't meet these people in the world and then yes like tito it's the energy and the fire and that fucking like forearm that he does that bends his body a certain way and has this energy like it's, it's all energy. And then they're gonna move into an era where they're still gonna be like weirdly character driven, but it's all like it's all characters that you would meet in your life, like the Duke the Dumpster and Bob the Spark Plug Holly Race Car Driver. Like in a way. They keep the, like, um, weirdness, but they come down to earth. Like, instead of me being transported to them, they come to where I am. Mm -hmm. And it's never going to be the same in that way. Like, you can't talk about Duke the Dumpster Jersey or Bob Sparkplug Holly the way we're talking about the people we're talking about right now.
2: Yeah. There will come a time in a few years, and I want us to watch out for it, but there will become a time where wrestlers are practically no longer allowed to have names, where their names are just completely replaced. By like El Matador, Mr. Perfect, the yeah. the the Macho King, Randy Savage's name will be erased at some point, and he will just be the Macho King. Like this will happen to a lot of people, and I don't know, I don't I don't think that transition. I like people who have names and nicknames, and yes. when you become just the nickname, I think you've moved in the wrong direction.
1: I agree. Uh, like Vince McMahon was upset with Luger. Before they even started, because he wanted him just to be the narcissist, and Luger wanted to keep his name, so...
2: Why am I not surprised by that? Oh my gosh. <laughs>
1: Can you imagine? Like, to me, it's already hard enough, but to not be the narcissist like Slugger, but just the narcissist like... There's nothing left there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. As we, ah, is, yeah, okay, so we are already building some frames, and ah, I think this is going to be compelling to watch how it goes.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: yeah, Jake Roberts has skinny legs. Is one thing that I saw in this. Very skinny <laughs> legs. <laughs>
2: um, very. Here's one and, thing. Before we even get into the yep. match, this is something they did a lot uh, on these Saturday Night's event shows. I love when they make like special graphics for each mm-hmm. guy. I did say. Um, They have, like, these custom graphics, and they'll come a time, I don't think yet, but there will come a time when everyone does promos in front of, like, their graphic on a green screen, and, like, everybody has their signature image, and it's always something, like, creative and unique, and sometimes it's goofy. Like, these look a little goofy. Like, King Kong Bunny is, like, him as, like, a bowling ball, practically. <laughs> but, like, there's something about that that kind of, like, fits the character, so it's fun. I don't know. I like stuff like that. And...
1: Yeah, even um, when Hogan... And Andre appeared. I think they had a tape measure in Andre's image like of how tall he is. And Hogan sure. was like, probably biting on something because he's always mad. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's Again, it's small touches, though. They, they go a long way.
2: Absolutely. Uh, so we do have Jake Roberts versus King Kong Bundy, as you mentioned. Uh, they do some psychology shtick with the snake bag uh, in a moment that I was not expecting. But actually, this will become a signature of Bobby Heenan over the next few years, as we will see Heenan grabs Damien's bag and flees to the back with it. And now, now that I think about it, I don't know if there was an animal mascot that Heenan did not abduct Mm -hmm. at some point (laughs) because he'll abduct uh, the British bulldog's dog and he'll run off with Coco Beware's bird. And there's probably more examples, but those are the ones that come to mind. Um, Jake Roberts goes after him. Comes back with the bag with no Heenan. I'm just sitting here hoping that Jake Roberts didn't kill Bobby Heenan for messing with the bag.
1: Yeah. And Jake tried to use the bag, and Vince Man was excited about it. Then Bobby took it away because he was trying to use it in the match, and it was like, oh my, he, how could he? He took the bag. I get it. That's, a, that's heroic to me. Like, I don't care because I'm being paid to be a manager. I'm not taking that bag for anybody. I'm not touching that bag. Bobby Heenan, that's a heroic moment to take that bag with that snake in it and run away. And so that. The other guy cannot use it against your your guy in a match.
2: In a few years, uh, a snake will bite Randy Savage. I bet somebody would have liked Bobby Heenan to go grab the bag then. So, you <laughs> yeah. know, he was just trying to prevent a disaster like that from happening. Um, so this is really weird to me because I don't know if you can even call this baby face privilege. Because as this match goes on, Jake just knees the referee for no real reason that I could see he gets disqualified <laughs> um, and then yeah like you kind of mentioned it before Vince McMahon is like screaming that Jake Roberts has to sick the snake on the referee and Jake just uh. does it just <laughs> I don't know why like to be a dick uh, That's not it's okay,
1: that is not okay <laughs> no I'm sorry I, baby. Br-
2: please baby face brigade if you can try to cause usually like even if I don't agree, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. I have no idea why Jake thought he could do this or why Vince McMahon was, like, cheerleading him for it.
1: Vince explained it. Like, he came to the show with the hopes of seeing it put on somebody and Bundy got away, so someone had, like, he wants to see it. <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh, my gosh. Here's, this is another WWF-ism that I find interesting in this era, and we're already getting into it. We will reach a time when almost every wrestler... Is will feel, like, obligated to do something to their opponent after the match. Like, Jake will put a snake on you. Brutus Beefcake is about to start, like, cutting your hair. Teddy DiBiassi will, like, put money yeah. in your throat. Yeah, so, like, everybody will feel obligated to have, like, a post-match <laughs> thing that they do to their opponent. Um, so it's just a weird WWF-ism. But it's actually, like, so effective at getting that person over that I almost wonder why, like... Maybe we should bring this back because people freaking love these little gimmicks that these people do after their match. Yeah,
1: and it's, it's also what I think about when I think about like I really believe Luger should have joined Ted DiBiase. Mm. Uh, his group sucked, and Luger sucked the way they booked him, you know. And the way that people hate Luger when they do and they see him as so arrogant. Can you imagine him standing over somebody while they put money in their mouth? You know, to me,
2: mm-hmm.
1: all of that would have worked. And yeah, so it's just a good heel thing.
2: I'm just uh, thinking now, because, yeah, every, the narrative around Luger is like, oh, he just wanted the money, and he cared about, it. he didn't yeah. like wrestling enough, he just wanted to get paid, so, like, yeah. lean into it, for God's sake, yeah, yeah. you know, if you I, think people don't like Luger for that reason, then make a thing out of it, so, yes. I don't know, you're right, that sounds great to me. Yeah. And,
1: you know, he would have had the, the whole thing about, you know, easily, I did all this with the flag in the country, and look what it got me. <laughs> you know and yeah. i'm doing this for the money now for five minutes and look, look where it's gotten me yeah
2: yeah but i
1: think i i don't know if this will a hold up or not but in this experiential energy based world i think if you act on your impulses and you think like anything you do on impulse you're a baby face if you justify and try to explain yourself you're a hill mm. mm. yeah
2: it's al- <laughs> it's almost like the explanation is what makes you a heel? Almost. Yes. Yeah. Oh my god. Like Jake
1: doesn't. Yeah. Because Jake's in the moment, and like you know, he was trying to put a snake on somebody, and there's a new somebody to put the snake on them. Like, but Bobby Heen saying like, "You did this. You know, you treated this. man. shut up. <laughs> shut up." <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh my gosh, that's that's very insightful. I never thought <laughs> of it that way. Um, a couple of things on this before we pass on. Um. This, uh, there wasn't much to this match, which I think is a shame because I remember I watched uh, a match they had at Madison Square Garden that was much better, and uh, it's a shame because I think they could have done that here, but Saturday Night's Main Event is not usually the place to have great matches, so it is what it is. Um, the other thing is I'm very sad because King Kong Bundy is heading to WrestleMania for a very inconsequential match. It will be him against, I think... I want to say Hillbilly Jim and like some midgets will be involved and it's like kind of nothing. And this is a guy who main evented WrestleMania two. And uh, it just, it shows you that the pettiness of the WWF exists in that time as well, because the reason, or at least the alleged reason King Kong Bundy, when he was very popular, went out and he did some commercials for like IBM or something and he did it on his own, and he didn't give WWF a cut of the money. And when Vince found out, like, it, it was never the same for King Kong Bundy again. Like, he was punished ridiculously in the booking. Um, So we will probably never see King Kong Bundy in a significant role again, which is a damn shame because he is great.
1: Yeah, man. Um, That's the hardest part about calling this, like I said the other day, is it took me until yesterday to get the WWE Network just because... I mean, we're not going to talk about it on, a lot on the show. Once in a while, it might overlap, but they there's some really like. Ah. If you quickly remind me of who we're dealing with behind the scenes, it's almost like a complete turn off. Of I don't care what era we're talking about, and yeah. you know, Bundy. Bundy just has that thing too about him. Like when I look at King Kong Bundy, there's something like alive and alert about his face and his like reactions, and it's, this is a guy. Who could have ended up, I think, being a weird popular babyface if they had done it right? Like, sure, put that yeah. man, put that man in the in the crowd with Elegante and Big Josh and all these great talents of, <laughs> of the. Oh my God, what are they and what will they do? Like they all, you know, could dance with Missy Hyatt and her friends and those <laughs> dates. But yeah, Bundy, Bundy's got something, you know, even beyond the King Kong Bundy of it, of the thing. So that it makes me sad. Yeah. Uh, I'm glad he got the main event a wrestlemania you cannot take that away from him yep. you know but yeah i would have liked to see more and it'll be even more sad when he comes back and joins one of the worst stables in the history of the sport to me and one of the worst errors but anyway
2: i have almost yeah. no concept of the uh i i'm i'm scared to even say the name because i think it'll get it wrong it's a million dollar corporation
1: i think yeah i think so
2: okay all right My apologies if i got it wrong it shows you how little i know about that era so we're gonna we're gonna really unearth some stuff for me in that time period
1: yeah and i've not watched him probably since it happened you know so maybe something will surprise me but like diesel wears black bundy wears black uh <laughs> uh sid wears black you know it's a very weirdly for wwf it's a very black and white era mm and I think I think in some ways, like, we, despite the fact they tried to set Vince's on trial, the whole thing might go to hell. The spirit of what they were going through in in the back seems to have permeated, like, the product in some way.
2: <laughs> That's an interesting point. We're going to have to dig into that when we get there.
1: Yeah, so for now, we got the Laughing Heart Foundation back, and the, you know, they're, they're in a good mood. I like this little Danny Davis thing. that They made him an official observer because he's been fired as a referee.
2: Oh, my gosh. The Danny Davis thing. They're, I feel like the reputation around Danny Davis is like, oh, is, he wears this weird outfit, and he was like not that good a wrestler. And, you know, you go back, and I don't think you really understand necessarily what it's about unless you really get into it. But, man, when he was a heel referee, when he was making, like, these biased calls, probably the most hated man in the company like crowds were freaking foaming at the mouth (laughs) hating this guy and i don't know if that comes across if you just go back and watch like a random match or two but if you really get into it man danny davis just was one of the most overheel acts for a very short period of time Uh, and i think we're right in there because he's very much hated at this show and just bringing him down to be at ringside like the fans hate this guy and there's something there's something special about that kind of deep hate from a fan
1: yes it is and it's also again though is the audacity of the heel to say you know what i'm bringing him back and never mind what you think because you know they they don't get those moments and they pay prices for them when they try to create them but Mm -hmm. For a moment, they're going to strut around in front of you with the thing that you said you didn't want to see, and you're going to be forced to look at it.
2: (laughs) Absolutely. Uh, On the other side, very randomly challenging for the WWF Tag Team Championship is the team of Tito Santana and Danny Spivey, who I'm convinced was hired just because he looks like Barry Windham from a distance, and he Mm -hmm. teamed with uh, Rotundo for a while after Windham left in the U.S. Express. So he's here just hanging around and they got a title shot somehow. Uh, I don't know if there's a lot to say about this match. I thought it was, uh, it's a, it's a fine match. It's a solid match. Um, I'm a big fan of Tito Santana. He was the highlight for me in this. Um, he gets hit with a megaphone and, uh, ends up that losing courtesy of Danny Davis. But, uh, still, you know, it's a fine match. It's a solid match. Love Tito Santana.
1: I am a big fan of Tito Santana. He was the highlight of this match. I love Tito Santana.
2: All right, great. We both love. Who doesn't <laughs> love Tito Santana? Who in the history of the world could not appreciate this man?
1: That's what he, I have to say. <laughs> it's again, I, just to embody like the way. This is the Randy Savage thing as well. Like when you move a certain way and you, and you see someone and says, okay, only that person moves that way. Mm. I'm impressed by that. I don't know how you do that, how like, you, know, you keep it up your whole life, but Tito's motions are Tito's. Savages are savages, and like, I love the, those flying forearms. have so much punch to them. A um, couple of good offensive moves by the greatest tag team of all time, the Hart Foundation. <laughs> Five-E had, had a couple of good moments. But you know, I thought it was a decent, I mean, solid, a lot of, a lot of solid stuff from that Heart Foundation. That's a good word that I would use for the, for the Heart Foundation.
2: That's much more how I view them. But we'll continue to examine their legacy as we go, and maybe we'll, uh, as we did. In WCW, the Legacy Series, maybe someone wants to come on and convince us why the Heart Foundation is supposed to be uh, above and beyond uh, everybody else. So we'll see. Yeah,
1: we'll it see. doesn't take a lot of convincing, but
2: <laughs> I yeah, I gotta say I have watched a lot of Heart Foundation. And I don't see it, but you never know. So never, we'll see. Uh, we'll see. Heart
1: Foundation's gonna get uh, get a victory, I think, in this one.
2: Yep, Heart Foundation uh, retaining those tag team titles. I mean, you'd have to assume because. Pretty sure Tito and Danny Spivey <laughs> were never tag team champions. Yeah. So uh, it is courtesy of Danny Davis. And the, if I remember right, I believe Danny Davis was the one, was the referee, when Tito lost the, the Intercontinental title to Randy Savage. So th- this kind of goes back a long ways. Mm-hmm. Um, we're heading towards a WrestleMania match that will involve uh, the Hart Foundation and Danny Davis and Tito Santana.
1: Nice.
2: Yeah, so there there will be some interesting stuff going on there. It will not I'm involve excited, Spivey.
1: <laughs> okay, that yeah, works. Uh, Steamboat Wrestling the Iron Sheik uh, is, I guess, our wrestling match main event. Last match or whatever, however you want to say it. Uh,
2: yeah, definitely not the main event, but uh, definitely <laughs> the last match on the card. Uh, Gene Orgeland wonders if Ricky Steamboat is 100% after having his throat crushed. He says he is, and he breathes fire, so Ooh. that'll prove it to you, I guess.
1: Yeah, maybe that's the reason you have issues. <laughs> but,
2: you <know. laughs> it do- Yeah, if you have throat issues, it seems like breathing <laughs> fire is not the first thing you should do, but all right, okay, buddy, there yeah. you go. Here's the great, this match, it, it's whatever, you know, it's, it is what it is. Uh, it's not great, it's not bad, it is just kind of there. The great thing in this match yes. is that Randy Savage returns, In a different and even more amazing jacket than he had before. And he's here to distract Steamboat, which seems like, you know, turnabout is fair play. He runs up to commentary booth and does some commentary there. And, uh, yeah, Randy Savage steals the show in a match that he's not even in.
1: Yeah, so we, we will get to this as it goes on. But the intensity of Randy Savage is the thing I do believe for good and bad that made Vince McMahon and others allow him to be on a level of guys much bigger than him. Yeah. Like he made himself Hulk Hogan by intensity and move, movement and motion. Yeah. He fooled Vince McMahon. He never stood still so Vince McMahon could put the measuring tape on him. He's <laughs> like, ah. <laughs> he looks like, oh, well, no. So there's something to that. and I want to I maybe try to break apart as we go on the intensity and the good and the bad of that. Cause there's always, that's that fire and there's always good and bad. And then there's this, the, this motion that is just art and beauty. And I don't think there's anything bad in it, but it's sometimes hard to tell the motion from the intensity.
0: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Absolutely.
1: Good stuff (laughs) in the booth, Jesse and Savage again, being healed by overly explaining why they are doing what they are doing, which is, you know, God, who has to shut up, who has time for that? Just do it, be be done with it. And if you have a clear conscience, you would just already crack the man over the head.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I believe there was intention at one point, to make Jesse Ventura and Randy Savage into a tag team. And what a different world that could have been if Ventura had stayed healthy and we'd seen that team. I don't know if that's better or worse, because I honestly don't think Ventura was much of a wrestler. But you want to talk about, yeah, like a team with enormous personality. It would be hard to beat a team like that.
1: They would have either been one of the greatest things of all time or they would have broke up after like three weeks (laughs) because they got too much of the same personality.
2: Oh, very true. You're very correct about that.
1: One question, I don't know if you know the answer to this. At WrestleMania 4, did Randy Savage wear a different outfit for every match he wrestled?
2: I'm pretty sure he did. I look forward to confirming that when we get there. But, yeah, Randy Savage's uh, amazing costume changes are part of his charm, for sure.
1: Randy Savage and The Rock. I've never said that, but they're starting to well, – whoa, time. Time will tell. Wait, but does The Rock
2: change his clothes a lot? or?
1: It's not that, but I'm just trying to think of – okay, so <sighs> – I'll get back to you.
2: Okay. All right. Fair enough. Um, So the matches are over, but we got some more promos. We love promos, so that's perfect for me. Uh, I don't love this promo, though. This is a very obnoxious promo. Uh It's Hulk Hogan backstage showing signs of the person that he will become full-time in some years Mm -hmm. later. He is complaining about Andre throwing him out from behind. Guess what, Hogan? That's legal in a battle royal he says, and this is the most unbelievable, petty, unlikable, stupid bullshit. He says, Andre cheated every time he won a match in 15 years. Mm. And it's just so blatant. Uh. Oh, on its face, it's such a freaking lie. You liar, Hulk Hogan. <laughs> oh my God. He says Andre is obese. This is, this is the man who was supposedly his best friend and mentor. He says he's obese. He stabbed (laughs) Hulkamaniacs in the back. Oh, my God. This is so obnoxious.
1: I have just experienced the power of Hulkamania for the first time in my life. (laughs) In in almost a decade, I have never been lifted out of my seat during our shows. The lie of Hulk Hogan lifted me out of my seat. It's like a physically staggering force. Oh, my God. Because here's the thing. Andre the Giant was the mentor who treated children a certain way that made Hulk Hogan want to be a wrestler and made Hulkamania, and now... Because he head-butted him and threw him over the top rope, Hulk Hogan says, was it a lie? Did you cheat every single match for 15 years? Those are the fucking 15 years that you observed and made you want to create Hulkamania. But because he head-butted you and threw you over the top rope, he actually was a liar the whole time and <laughs> cheated the whole time. That, my friends, is the power of Hulkamania. Oh, my
2: God, the enormity of it. Like... I can't even wrap my head around this because he's accusing him of this after a match where Andre didn't even cheat. No, of course <laughs> like, not. It's it's a flat out tantrum. He, Hogan is just throwing himself on the floor and kicking and screaming that oh that oh my god. Just huh. the enormity of it. I like to think this is a promo. When Bobby Heenan was in WCW, he was thinking of this promo when Hogan came out at Bash the Beast 96 and said, whose side is he on? Because he knows that Hogan is a snake and a liar and an yeah. asshole, and he only <laughs> cares about himself.
1: Uh, okay, so here's how the only way you can read this error if you don't want to lose your mind. <laughs> Hulk Hogan stumbled upon all that is good and all that is right, and all that is immoral. He found the truth that religions and philosophies and literature, and like, well, where is it, Hulk Hogan? What is it? Oh, I put it in my shake, and I I drank it. It's now inside of me. (laughs) So now, if you attack Hulk Hogan, you're attacking all things that are good because they're inside of him. So it doesn't matter if you legally throw him out, or if you run him over with a car. It's all the same thing because you have attacked all that is good, and you've crossed the line. But that's the only way to read it, because Andre betrayed him by winning in a battle royal by being more successful legally. Andre betrayed him by asking for a title shot. Andre, you know, these are things that are in no way a betrayal unless all that is right exists only within that person. And your only job is to stand next to that person and never, ever, ever confront that person or try to stand anywhere in the vicinity of where they want to stand. What a man! That enormity is such a good word, Miss fan That's the word for Hulk Hogan: enormity.
2: It's staggering. It is. uh I re-experienced I, it just just reading my notes. <laughs> it, I, I was transported and not in a good way to to just uh, a place of incredulity. Oh my gosh.
1: <laughs> I have had my hands on my head this whole conversation. The way that, that the, the new picture that people take, so that they can be included, like, oh, I'm shocked that the Undertaker and blah blah blah. You know, but i'm dumbfounded
2: oh my gosh
1: the, yes the enormity and this is it's also though if you build yourself a movement it does not matter what it's built on if you get yourself a social following and they're they are passionate about you then you can get them to do anything in the world and so when hulk hogan's saying all this all these fans are like all right my god i came here to see hulk hogan win the battle Royal, and he took that from me fucking monster he competed in a battle royal is what he did tonight. He competed.
2: Uh, you know, Hulk Hogan says uh, brother all the time, uh, which you don't realize is actually referencing big brother. Because just like that organization, uh, he can rewrite history so that something has always been a different <laughs> way than it is uh, in actuality. Yes. You know, uh, we have always been at war. With Oceania, uh, Andrea's always been a bad person, regardless of what you might have thought for all these years. So, oh, the power of Pokemania.
1: And then the, does that not make you the dumbest person? If he was your best friend and mentor and inspired you and you couldn't tell <laughs> that every single thing he ever did was a lie and cheating. But no, instead, that also becomes a more sorrowful tale for you because then it's more of like, he's hurt me again. Like, you didn't just betray me once. You betrayed me 15 years in a row jesus christ oh wow but you know what makes hulk hogan amazing he will take all of that true or false and channel it into the power to do what he's going to do at the next show mm-hmm.
2: he's he's quite a cult leader for sure <laughs> he
1: is. hulk hogan is a cult leader
2: he is the hulkamania is a cult uh, don't <laughs> don't don't join a cult everyone uh, uh, one yeah. last promo if we can escape the uh towering shadow of that little promo right there gene oakland with roddy piper They're talking about how piper is retiring at the peak of his ability piper talks about loving wrestling how he's going to give 110 percent in hollywood trying to make movies he just wants to give it a try he does doesn't matter in his career if people threw eggs or roses at him and they play some clips of piper which is very silly because they're almost all clips of him being a heel, but it's like this sappy music. Cool. Like, yeah, it's just, uh, it's funny, but still heartfelt as always from Piper. Say what you will. Piper had cut some, did some bad uh, work over the years, but I always felt like he was trying to pull from a genuine place. And when it works, it works. And it worked here, uh, despite the silly clip show that they tacked onto it. And,
1: Yeah, I thought five seconds of Piper was about the best thing on the show because it's so urgent and real. But at the same time, in WCW, I never wanted him to do anything except go away. So it's (laughs) it's so weird how that works. Yeah. Yeah, it's a big deal, though. Like, you got a guy who's not even, like, your top guy who is, like, leaving your company because that's how, like, it's just just the time to strike. Yeah.
2: Yeah, he was ahead of the curve, and, you know, also from his talent, but also from his timing. That's probably why he was yeah. one of the more successful people to go over to Hollywood. I mean, there are good Roddy Piper movies out there. Uh, yeah. They Live by John Carpenter is a favorite of mine, you know. Uh, a lot of them are not that good, but, you know, he had more success than most wrestlers. Well,
1: Yeah, Uh So that is, again, um, we got a lot of folks leaving, or at least very significant folks leaving after WrestleMania 3. So that's going to be another reason to tune in next week and really appreciate what we're going to see from guys who we're not going to get to call either for a long time or sometimes maybe ever again.
2: I'm very sad because uh, Piper will come back and he'll do some good stuff and he'll do some stuff that I don't know, maybe it won't be good. Adrian Adonis, uh, we will never see again after WrestleMania three, and I'm very sad about that because uh, we talked a lot before we went on hiatus, and now we're going to talk in the time that we have left about the greatness of Adrian Adonis.
1: Adrian Adonis is a beautiful, beautiful soul. Uh, If you get your hands on anything that we did before in WWF, the Legacy Series, listen to that, and we will do our best to pay tribute and send him off it won't be in the way he deserves because we don't have that ability, but it'll be the best that we can do.
2: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I just wish there could have been more. I've actually seen they did uh, a few promos of bald Adrian Adonis um, after, mm-hmm. but uh, I don't know. It just never went anywhere. They let him go. There was the whole situation that we talked about that was ugly where they kind of like – you know, persuaded him to play this character because they were going to do, like, some more stuff after that, and it just never happened, and I don't know. It's, it's a damn shame. But we're going to celebrate Adrian Adonis while we got him, for sure. Well,
1: that's the hardest thing about WWF, because, like, I want to enjoy this, so I want them to do well and succeed while we're on this journey. But you know that every success that they get is just more leverage to abuse everyone within the same company by the people that are benefiting off of it. Yeah. You know, because the more the the more like at the WrestleMania three, they can they can do whatever they want to. Like you know, they could take him or leave him. But at one point, he is what was building up the WrestleMania drive. So
2: yeah, absolutely. So. All right, we're going to get to all of that next week. I'm so glad to be back. This was a lot of fun. Anything else you want to say before we call it a day here?
1: (laughs) I just absolutely enjoyed this. I hope that you will follow us. Uh, Comment, join the conversation. We are building narratives. We're going to tear them down. We might build our own and tear them down. (laughs) You never know what's going to happen in WWF, the Legacy Series. We are back in full mode.
2: Absolutely. Thanks for listening. I am on Twitter. I am at SpectralGents. Give me a shout. Give me a follow anytime. Also, check out uh, WrestlingHeadlines.com, aka LordDePain.net, for a lot of good written material. LOPForums.com as well is a great, great place to join the conversation. Check out the other programs on LOP Radio, our podcast channel. We got a lot of great material there. Just so much good stuff to keep you entertained. While we're all stuck inside in this weird world that we're in right now. So enjoy that. Enjoy being transported with us back to this time. We are back next week with the show of all shows WrestleMania 3. Don't know how we're going to fit it all in one episode, but I can't wait to find out how we do it. That is next week. For now, Mystic, take us home.
1: Until next time, don't let the legacy be dictated to you. Rewatch, revisit, rewrite.
0: I saw an undiscovered creature Climbing on the mountainside You know that no one else believed me How about that? With green eyes and white stripes and salted tears I knew that these were just its cautionary features Keep telling myself nothing to fear it's just an undiscovered creature Coming up to meet ya He's the one that's scared It's just an undiscovered creature Coming up to meet ya He's the one that's scared The undiscovered creature The undiscovered creature I never saw this one in books or heard a myth of it Looks like it came from underwater I thought I'd seen every life form But there it is, an undiscovered creature Coming up to meet ya He's the one that's scared It's just an undiscovered creature Coming up to meet ya He's the one that's scared The Undiscovered Creature On and on and on and on and on and on The Undiscovered Creature On and on and on and on and on and on With green eyes and white stripes and salted tears I knew that these were just its cautionary features Keep telling myself nothing to fear It's just an undiscovered creature Coming up to meet ya He's the one that's scared It's just an undiscovered creature Coming up to meet ya He's the one that's scared The undiscovered creature Come no. no.